Warning, we're going to be discussing events for currently running weekly anime. If you want to avoid spoilers for certain shows, there are timestamps in the description. Hey everybody, welcome back to the time ticket. I couldn't even finish doing that. Well, you sound so sad. Well, the reason why is because uh, yesterday we just watched Machia, and I was oh, I'm just still God, super yeah. emotional about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, all jokes... <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, like, just real quickly, if you guys haven't seen Machia yet, do yourselves a favor, go watch Machia, because yeah. holy crap, it, it, it was such an emotional movie. Like, I think most people, most anime fans have probably seen it by now. <laughs> yeah, if you and if you haven't, somehow you missed it, like we cer- we certainly did. Um, you didn't even know anything about it, no. right? Yeah, yeah, I knew nothing like, about it. Like, I knew, like, the general premise about it, like, about... Uh, just as a quick plot synopsis, if you somehow missed it, it's about a like a fairy type girl who finds a human baby and starts to raise it as her own child. The catch being, her people do not age that quickly. Meanwhile, humans still age like regular humans. So it's sort of like a weird, how do you deal with that whole thing? Anyway. Anyway. We're doing a show. Yes, <laughs> we are doing a show, that's right. So let's talk a little bit about that. For starters, welcome back everybody, yeah. I'm Jay. I am Rex. And this is the Time Sync Anime Podcast. Once again, great to be back. Yeah, so we're going to be changing things up a little bit for uh, for, for anyone's, anyone who's been watching this for a while. You know, we, we've been doing this weekly, but we've also wanted to do some... Like side project videos where we like do reviews and yeah. maybe some more talks about other things, but you know, it turns out when you're working a full time traveling job and you're only home on the weekends and you still have to catch up on all the anime that's going on, it's like, it doesn't allow to leave a lot of time for everything. <laughs> yeah, no, it it sure as hell doesn't. It, and then also having to like schedule around recording and then social obligations like hanging out with friends, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so. Basically, what this means going forward, we're going yeah, to be, we're gonna be uh, assassinating the CEO of YouTube because <laughs> we need more time, and this is the only we need more watch time, and we have to we have to take our new position as the the YouTube overlords. No, we're not doing that. Everybody know everybody knows that first things first. You have that you can't assassinate him. You have to do something far worse to him, like count a Monte Cristo him or oh, dishonored yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be doing. Uh, Quarterly, quarterly reviews yeah. is the best way that we can de- we could have determined would be the best way to describe it. Yeah, so. we're going to be putting out a podcast episode every three weeks. Uh, uh, sometimes, so. sometimes four, depending on the how long the core is going on for, yeah, how yeah. long uh, certain things are going to be bleeding over. So basically, what we'll be talking, how things will be going forward in future seasons, we will be doing our season preview, which is just the shows that have caught our attention. Then by week three roughly we'll have a the sheer the everything series. that's worth watching yeah everything that's worth watching week six so weeks like this week will be like our mid-season review things that have kept our attention things that have kind of started to slip uh week nine roughly and we don't know like what that's really going to entail yet we don't even know what we're gonna probably call just, that probably just talking about shows yeah, talking about what's happened with the shows we like so far. Yeah, exactly. Building I mean, up to the climax. That's what, but we don't know what uh, we don't know what we'll be calling that just yeah. about yet. But and then we're going to be doing our season review, like we've been doing in the past, which that'll happen usually after the core's already ended. All the episodes for for that episode for that series have already ended and concluded. That's what we'll be doing going forward. 
Uh, another quick thing. Yes, we are aware that we missed last week. Rex, do you want to enlighten yeah. us? So, well, part of that was that I got sick again. Yeah. Uh, and part of it was also just contemplating how, like, how we want to do the channel going forward. Yeah. Uh, it, you said it's, you said in your feverish delirium, yeah. <laughs> you had started to contemplate things like yeah, this because we we've had a uh, we've had a review on the back burner for about three four weeks now that we've yeah. been trying to work on but like we just haven't had the time for it but it's something we want to do yeah and we, just... and you you probably heard us bring it up in the past actually and yeah. my and if anybody was still curious about it yeah it still exists we have <laughs> we have like the we have like a script ready to be like reviewed edited etc and actually made and then actually make it into a video the problem is, yes, doing this constantly kind of saps away motivation to actually work on side projects while also still doing, uh, while still walk, catching up on shows, meeting up with friends, uh, playing D&D, playing Final Fantasy Raid shit. Yeah. Stuff like, stuff of that nature. Yeah, so, uh, for the foreseeable future, like, for, we're gonna be doing, uh, quarterly episodes, pretty much. Uh, yes. Maybe sometime in the future we'll go back to doing... Uh, uh, weekly reviews, weekly talks about just the anime that's that's currently airing. Because I I love doing it, but I, uh, there's just not enough time right now. Yeah, I love doing it too. Sometimes it does get a little difficult because there are just some episodes where we don't always have as much to say uh, as other episodes. Yeah, so some weeks are just kind of like flatlined in comparison, and then we then there are just some shows that are kind of that we like to talk about, but are just kind of hard to talk about on a weekly basis because there's really not that much substance to them, stuff like that. So we're hoping with this new format, there might be a little bit of, um, uh, there might be a little bit of time to experiment and stuff like that. And that's really what this, it's a combination of things. One, wanting to test out a new format just to see like how it goes. And two, actually being able to work on other projects. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all a learning process because we are die YouTube videos before. Yeah, exactly. We are, uh, and for the guy, for every one of you guys that has actually um, uh, stuck around for us for a long time, it's it's great to have you all back. Hope that you guys can um, hope you guys can actually get used to this please, new format. Please forgive us. Please yeah. forgive us for our slights. <laughs> so anyway, so with all that out of the way, let's get right into the shows this week. So starting us off. And thank God it's starting us off. Attack on Titan yeah. Season 3 Part 2. This spared no expense getting us right into the thick of things. These well, first we, two episodes. Wait, is it two? Yeah, it is, it yeah, is it's Season two. 3 Part 2. Two episodes, yeah. It's, sort, right, of like okay. a, it's sort of like a Golden Kamui situation where yeah. they just decided, hey, let's do two cores, but separate them into season, like different seasons. It, it's very strange. First but. of all, we got to talk about uh, the, the opening. I I'm gonna be honest. I'm not as big a fan of it. Like it's it's not bad. It's just it feels like it, we're kind of retreading the same ground because it's this. It's pretty much the same song from the very first season, just a different part of that song. So it feels like we're kind of derivative. I guess I I will agree. Yes, it it is pretty much the same song. That being said, it's still I liked it. So <laughs> okay, like. And this might be a little bit of a controversial opinion. I really liked uh, Red Swan, I believe the name of the... Uh, the last one? Yeah. I really liked that OP. Because yeah, I liked it, it a lot too. It was, it was something different. Like, 
we every intro up to this point up to that point had been like the ridiculously like fast bombastic like sort of like getting you pumped up for it that one was like more introspective and somber mm-hmm. which it was a it was bizarre but it was a nice change of pace but now after going back to this one it just feels a little like i said derivative that's the best way to put it um is it bad by no means no the the visuals are still pretty awesome the song is still very good. I fucking love Link to Horizon. Link to Horizon so is very good. Uh, the soundtrack in the show continues to be absolutely phenomenal. Like, it's Hiroyuki Sawano, so yeah. if anybody's surprised by that, then have you been living under a rock? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're, uh, we're immediately back into the plot to uh, go retake... Shinganshina, uh, yeah, the, as they from, call it, the town where it all began. Yeah, Sounds like a western town. thing. <laughs> I, well, the show does has like a western feel to I it, kind of. Yeah, especially so. with Kenny and the way that he looked and stuff last season. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. but I'm just saying, it just sounds like the man with no name the, visits the town where it all began. Yeah. <laughs> but I I'm really liking this. I the like this first episode was just building up suspense the whole time this is like i've always liked it when the series kind of focused more on like tactics planning um sort of like character introspection and stuff because you have to remember at the end of the day this is a war drama this series yeah. is very much a war drama yeah it's it's a and, war between two very differently sized forces yeah. but it's still a war and and on top of that, you have to remember that in any war, tactics and weaponry and stuff like that is all incredibly important. So I think when they actually give time to like think about like the tactics and plan, like okay, how are they going to do this? What are they? How are we going to get around this? That's all very fascinating to me. Yeah, like, like seeing Irwin's train of thought about everything. Yeah, and seeing like uh, and then Armin thinking about like there's good, they're good, they've got to be around here somewhere. This is way too easy. They might be hiding in the walls. Everybody, just start knocking on pieces oh of the wall. I absolutely love Armin's character progression in this show. Yeah, just how he's kind of went from slowly went from being like a meek, smart kid to uh, well, he's still smart, but he's getting even smarter. But he's more confident about his decisions now. Uh, yeah, not only is he more confident about his decisions, sometimes he's gotten pretty damn ruthless. Like with that moment when he tried to bluff one of the one of the Titan shifters that it's like, yeah, we have one of your comrades. We're yeah. torturing her right now. <laughs> as a matter, so it just kind of goes to show you that war has a really big tendency to change people, and yeah. Armin is certainly becoming more cold and more ruthless as time goes. And that we only saw a snippet of that. I only see that happening more going forward. As somebody who has never read the manga, I'm going in completely blind yeah, here. Yeah, I'm actually just about caught up to where I was at mm. in the manga because I haven't read it in months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So something else about the opening that they really wanted to highlight. The basement. We're finally probably... Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is gonna, this is the season where we're finally going to see what's in the basement. The OP certainly spared no time showing. Yes, the basement. We have not <laughs> forgotten. The basement that we've been talking about for a long time. We're finally going back to it. But then... After Bertholdt gets found and immediately proceeds to kill someone, and then Levi just jumping into action oh, and just God. stabbing him in the neck. That scene was so cool. He was just chasing him down the wall with the oh. sword in his neck. Yeah, and then how Bertholdt like immediately like shifts into the armored Titan, and then as he hits the ground, and then seeing on the horizon all the other Titan explosions, it's going. Yeah, that was weird because I, uh, like I didn't think that normal Titans Titan shifted. 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. Like, it's just. I don't know if that was just a directorial decision or if that was something that. Oh no, that's like, they. They were obviously people that turned into titans right there. Yeah. Uh, it, it might just be that like a lot of titans don't necessarily look special, but they can still be intelligent. Mm-hmm. They even brought that up in the episode. They're like, that must all the titans back there that stuck around. They're probably the intelligent ones. Oh yeah, and the one with the uh, that's carrying like luggage or cargo or something the, like the, that. The the one the quadrupedal. The, yeah, yeah, and he has like super shoujo eyes and, <laughs> and, a, and an anteater mouth. Yeah. I, I will say this, the the Titans have gotten progressively less scary as the season, as the series has progressed. And that's in part, yeah, because we know more about them. They've shortly. always been goofy. But yeah, they always have been goofy. Yeah, but, but and I think that helps the spookiness. I mean, and a good friend of ours, like, I'd always thought, like, when they first appeared, like, just, like, the way they just lumbered and just how incomprehensible they seemed, that was already kind of scary enough. It's basically just running away from the inevitable. You see these things, you're going to die. Because they, and no matter how quick you run, they will catch up to you. Unless but you then they started in the omnidimensional maneuver gear. But then you have, but then you have the Titans that are running around with like finger guns, <laughs> <and stuff> like, <laughs> like, so, like and that just. And I guess a friend of mine, like I was saying, friend of mine pointed out that kind of does add a little bit to the whole incomprehensible factor about it. It's like, why are some of them like that? Like, yeah. well, they were originally people. You could chalk it were, up to that. Yeah. But it is just, it is very strange to look at, nonetheless, and it kind of does make me feel a little less frightened of them, and just kind of <laughs> go, "Really, this is what we're afraid of." I, I think it helps that the characters take it entirely seriously. Yeah, definitely helps put you in that situation. Also, so I want to talk a little bit about Irwin, actually, like in his whole like the Scout Squadron has gotten weaker speech. I. Didn't really like that speech. Like, I kind of, I from a narrative standpoint, I kind of get it. Like, it's, a, like, Erwin, to me, has always been the kind of character that is supposed to show, like, how do you juggle personal ambitions and the lives of your comrades? And what are you willing to sacrifice to get to your personal ambitions? That all I all get. I just thought it was a little awkward because he said, yeah, the scout, like, the scouts have gotten weaker because of me, because of, like, all the people that have died, I guess. But when... It had already been clearly shown that in the past, and characters have even gone out of their way to say that the Scouts had gotten more successful and more cohesive as a unit because of Irwin's leadership. It just feels like a little bit of a clumsy way of trying and hammering home that plot point, I guess, or that sort of like uh, inner conflict, if that makes any sense. Uh, I, I I don't really see it as clumsy. Like, I, I, I pretty much saw it as... Erwin taking, you know, almost taking inventory of his, his, uh, his, his, his tools. Mm-hmm. And he's realizing that, oh man, everyone used to be able to kill so much more efficiently. Like people, people lived longer. And that was because that was before all these intelligent Titan shifters started, started showing up and killing people mm-hmm. a lot quicker, like, like a lot, um, a lot more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause the, the survey Corps originally just had to deal with, Titans and then abnormal Titans. Yeah. And that was pretty much it for like a, a long time. Uh, then the uh, Colossal Titan shows up. And I think that was the first major like strange Titan that they had to fight. Yeah. Uh, and now they're like over the course of time, they're slowly having to deal with more and more quote unquote fancy Titans. So all the people that were good at their job before or a lot of them are getting killed off. 
So now he's just kind of left with people that are like fresh recruits or barely uh, any missions under their belt. Mm. I guess so. It just, to like, I guess so. To me, it still just felt like a little strange. Like, I get, I get it. It's all about like trying to figure out like, okay, so these are all the people that have died under my charge, basically in pursuit of my, in the pursuit of my vision. And even him considering I could just go to the basement right now and leave the rest of my crew. Like, that was actually yeah. <laughs> kind of a chilling moment. Like, thinking, oh, geez, he'd really go that far? Yeah, I like the visualization of, uh, he's like, I've, I've, be- I've gotten here on a mountain of corpses. Oh, yeah. And just showing him standing all those dead bodies. It, it reminds me It reminds me of a very similar visual um, uh, to Griffith from Berserk, actually. If you've never uh, read or watched Berserk, basically, Griffith's grand vision was always going to this castle that always seems so far away. And somebody, like, tempts him with basically, like, the stairway of corpses to the castle. Mm. And it's just, like, a few more bot. Like, look at all the corpses that have already, like, gotten here. A few more wouldn't hurt, would it? And that, yeah, that's it's a pretty similar concept. So, Armored Titan fight. Yeah. Good God, it yeah. was so cool. It, it definitely gave me flashbacks, too, when they first fought. Yeah. And when, um, what's-his-face, uh... Bertholdt? Bertholdt, yeah, just fucking fell off the top of the wall. Yeah, but that yeah. whole fight where he, like, grabs him and starts breaking his neck. Oh, my God. I, I When I saw that fight for the first time, I was like, yeah, yeah, like, rip his fucking head yeah, off. Yeah, watching um, Aaron and Reiner fight is kind of like, it's pretty much MMA, like Titan, exactly. Titan MMA. Yeah, and, like, seeing, like, Aaron get him in an arm bar, I was like, yeah, get ready to rip his arm yeah. off. Like, I was so excited to see that. And, like, seeing, like, just the sheer force of their punches like just the wind gusts blowing off the roof shingles and stuff yeah like that. weight has yeah. always been something that they've done really well with this show absolutely making making you feel like these are monstrous creatures fighting each other and then then we get the the namesake of this week's episode the thunder spears <laughs> like weapons that were specifically designed to kill the armored titan pretty much or at least penetrate through his armor yeah, this was something that was really cool to see in the anime mm-hmm. because, uh, I don't know, I guess when I was reading the manga, I always thought they were just, like, flying by and sticking them in them. Mm. But it's really cool seeing them in the anime. They're they basically just, just missiles. Yeah, they just <laughs> launch them like missiles. And and then after the string gets pulled, it's like, Gee! Like, it actually, like, starts to burrow deeply. I, uh, I don't think so. No, when they, the, the, when they pull out the string, it just detonates it. Yeah. And it was still just really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, like, just that moment when uh, Reiner realizes, like, oh, crap, these actually can break through. And then everybody, like, gets ready for the next attack and just, like, everyone gets that, their missile into that same spot before. Yeah, I was and expecting like, that to be, like, oh, they're going to shoot him and it's going to be all dramatic, but he's going to deflect him or whatever. Yeah. But no, it just showed uh, him in inside the Titan just, like, wait, no, please, no! <laughs> and... And then that's where they cut it. Yeah. Like, just the, no, wait! In classic Titan fashion, of like, every episode has to be a cliffhanger. Like, and okay, I don't mind cliffhangers. I really don't. But this was, like, the most, like, frust... But Titan has a tendency to cut episodes off at the most frustrating points humanly possible. Like, they could have, like, let the re- explosion resolve. I don't even think they really did that this no. episode no they didn't they didn't no, let the explosion so. resolve it, it's so it's like i think we, we might have heard an explosion noise as maybe, the episode cut out but i don't know it's titan always has a tendency to just really frustrate me when it comes to shit like that 
So next up is Bungo Stray Dogs season three. Yeah, back yeah. to the plot. Yeah, the uh, that so, so the uh, the the week five or episode five four episode four, four I think episode yeah four um was really good uh, even if it was completely unrelated to anything that happened so far whatsoever. Yeah, no, I think I think this served as okay. This is going to be our main antagonist for this uh, yeah. for this season. Just a bad guy. So the way that the way that I see it, Dazai at the end of season two had brought up it's like there's somebody far worse coming up. Like the guild is not the is somebody I'm not worried about. I'm worried for what's coming next. I think this guy is who's next. He's that thing that uh like he's that thing that Dazai was talking about. Yeah, and they they were saying they're gonna need uh Akutagawa and the main character um atsushi atsushi yeah, yeah. atsushi and kutagawa they were they were going to be stronger than uh, uh chui and dazai, and dazai could yeah. be yeah uh, and, and i think that's yeah like you said that's going to be the the main force that they're going to have to fight and let me just say this main force is fucking terrifying like he is nothing short of absolutely terrifying because the gambler guy who turns out to be one of the executives for the Port Mafia, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. For one, he has a really screwed up ability. I'm going to put these collars around your neck, and at any time, I can basically cash in your lifespan in exchange for jewels. Yeah, I don't exactly get how that worked. Mm. Because, like, does he have to have a jewel touching that person? Like, I'm assuming that's probably what it was. I think so. Like, I think that I think that is what it is. Like, like but If he puts a jewel on somebody... And then uses the ability, they turn into more jewels. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Also, what determines their worth? Is it lifespan remaining? Is it how much he values them? I I think so. He like we never we don't really know because spoiler warning: this character dies very quickly. Yeah. Like this entire episode was one of the mo- best executed mind games I think I've seen in a, quite a while. It kind of gave me like a kind of gave me like actually a little bit of jojo flashbacks with the uh against the dar against the older darby like in him basically just trying to bluff him the whole time but it was a lot more tense because jojo's always gets tense but it's usually at the end of the day very goofy this was just incredibly tense the whole time just like the way that this character had like planned everything out and made it and basically tried to play him into thinking his ability did something that it didn't do yeah he 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 was kind of like ronpo in a way where mm-hmm. or at least in this episode mm-hmm. where like the guy thought he had an ability but all of it was just him being ridiculously smart yeah like him uh, basically being able to see like just a few steps ahead yeah when he was left alone in that room he's just like okay i'm gonna memorize all the scratches on these cards i'm gonna stuff some cork into the lock and and then I'm going to and then I'm going to break the clock with wine yeah. so that it's going to be stuck there. And just because I know how ga- this guy thinks, he's a gambler, and he even said so himself. Information is what makes a person kill. Oh yeah, the, the the fake information he fed to the guy. Yeah, it was all just kill yourself and you can escape the illusion. No, he didn't even tell him that. Like the thing is, is the gambler had just kind of figured that out. Like he had kind of assumed that was the only way out. If I kill myself, and the way they handled that was cool because he like pulls the cord on the light, it goes dark. But then the next scene we see him, he's hanging from the ceiling. Well, no, I think they got that information. So he said he fed that information to the one who captured him. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, he he probably told the man who kidnapped him 
all that stuff. Mm. And, and then that's how uh, that's how they got. Like he kept feeding them false information about how his power worked. Yeah, especially even through like the surveillance camera. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, I also want to talk about the the red haired kid. With the, uh, with when the I first saw him, I thought it was Chuya. Yeah, it looked kind of like Chuya. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming he's probably dead. Yeah, he uh, probably is. And uh, if he is dead, I think he was a really good narrative device. Because we brought him in. Uh, he was kind of a sympathetic character because we, he had some inner monologue about how he was he wanted to be the you know head of the Port Mafia and rule the city. Like, and he... But he was basically, like, forced into slavery. Because that's the yeah. thing I think about this executive is that... He has to make sure that they get they willingly accept the collar, and usually, I what I imagine is he kind of tortures them or breaks them into eventually just submitting, and that's probably what happened to this kid. And so he was actually kind of he seemed kind of happy when he died. Yeah, he he was. It painted him as a, as a sympathetic character because he was also kind of nice to the yeah the guy who we thought was you know a prisoner and. Uh, I, I feel like the the narrative kind of makes you feel a little uh, bad for the the really smart guy. Yeah, uh, that we don't really know a whole lot about yet. Uh, when he's like kind of drying his hair and yeah. telling him, confiding him, and all these things. And in the end, when he kills him, not only does it do a really good job of kind of exiting this narrative device of that red haired kid, just you know pushing him out of the way, it also shows how relentless the 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 one guy the, the yeah the smart guy is he doesn't even it's like he doesn't even really care that he just killed somebody like well, he it doesn't. also it, it also seemed like he felt like he was doing the right thing yeah right there he's like oh okay I'm gonna get rid of you and I'm absolving you of all your crimes yeah exactly we don't really know what his gift is exactly it's, all we know is that he held his hand up to the guy's face and then the guy started bleeding out yeah and the, yeah basically his brain exploded is what it seems like happened. So the most recent episode, though, we got right back into the thick of things with the armed detective agency. Yeah, this is the episode that I expected was going to be immediately after the flashback. Which... It was just mostly goofy. <laughs> yeah, it was mostly goofy. Because they introduce, they introduce like, this, like, the call coffee shop and stuff like that. Which, is it common for there to be co- cafes with coffee and curry? Because I saw... Because that's the second time I've saw, seen something like this. Because they had... That was a big deal in Persona 5. Cafe yeah. LeBlanc. It, it's like caf, uh, coffee and curry is apparently a good combination. It's an Indian thing. Oh, it is? Yeah. I know a lot of uh, Indian places serve coffee. Mm, okay. it's, not like, it's not like a cafe, per se. But a lot of Indian restaurants I've been to, they have coffee drinks on their menu. Oh, that's that's true. That's a good point. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, like it it's, just it sounds good. It, I've actually, as someone who's actually tried it, like with a like I had some curry and had some coffee to go with it. Yeah, it is pretty good actually. It's quite delicious. <laughs> but anyway, that back is, on uh, track. Yeah, back on track. The uh, this like he, the bartender or cafe manager or whatever. Like everybody's like saying, "Oh, what a great person he is!" Like how like good he is at making coffee. Like just how reliable he is and stuff like that. He immediately gets attacked by some criminals. Gets his fingernails ripped off. Yeah, this uh, this guy seemed like such a badass because uh, they're like, "Well, danger might be coming here eventually." And uh, and what do you say? Uh, is like danger is savory as long as you're ready for it. Oh yeah, it was some. Like it that. was something like that. It was something really cool. But then yeah, you walk in, he's just like, ah, it's fine. Yeah, just I'm, I'm okay. Like I've just I'm missing some Ugh. fingernails. But he got all the fingernails back, so I feel like he was probably treated by uh, oh, Doctor Girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I 
And I then love the, that. I, I love how for like I want to say like three, like a good solid two, three minutes, like this criminal organization's like talking about their impenetrable defenses yeah. and like how like their. I was rolling were... my eyes all time, like knowing exactly what's going like, to happen. Like, and I was I was partly expect I was like partly expecting them to be at least somewhat of a threat, but then seeing them like immediately get comically subverted in the most in the most anticlimactic way possible was absolutely hilarious. Like, this show really knows how to juggle, like, um, seriousness and comedy in a really organic way, I think. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, I loved how they they had fun, and um, they were just, like, chilling out at their cafe. Like, when, when we, the first shot of them, where they're all just, like, Bleh, at the mm-hmm. table, like, uh, falling asleep. Um, and it's, it's everything's all nice and cheerful, and then the moment they learn that their coffee man uh, was attacked... Like, do they just have, like, these, these fucking murder face, and they're like, and you, like, how dare they harm our coffee man? Yeah, exactly. And then... <laughs> like, even Atsushi, who is normally, like... Usually he, so calm. Yeah. He, he was super pissed, too. Yeah. And then, and then like, the other part of this episode was, uh, or the next episode, or, no, it was part of this episode, my bad, was trying to get uh, Katai, I believe his name is, like, the hacker man. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, the try- love letter to yeah. to as we find out, Gein. Yeah, <laughs> I did not see that coming you at all. Not, yeah, because we mentioned like a little, like it had been mentioned in the last season that uh, Gein was in fact a girl, yeah. just looked like a guy. Yeah, when she does the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, just blushes when a uh, Dazai compliments her. Yeah, that was super funny. But yeah, it turns out to be Akutagawa's younger sister. Um, and I will say. It, this was a nice little, like, kind of self-contained little story arc we had here with this new character. Like, it was just, it was just long enough to where you could kind of understand his motivation, why he wanted to do, what he needed to do, and how it resolved, like, all in one, the span of one episode. Like, because even at the end, like, you see him, like, open his window, you see his room, like, that was filled with garbage before. Like, the garbage hasn't been taken out yet, but all the garbage bags are, like, in the corner and stuff like that. Like, he's getting ready to take him out. He's ready to move on. And that was just a nice little, like, kind of mm. moment that I really appreciated. Yeah. Um, what's the blonde chick's name? Uh, Higuchi. Higuchi, yeah. It was also nice seeing more of her and how... how her, she has a crush on Akutagawa. Yeah. A not-so-subtle crush. crush. When she, like, pulls up on him, she's like, oh, I'll do this, and then he'll do this. Yeah, exactly. It'll be perfect. <laughs> and then Gein shows up. Um, what was even funnier about that, like, when... Uh, when she was talking with the armed detective agency about, like, this plan, like, the whole love letter shtick was, like, she basically had, like, a, I was thinking to myself, did she really just do a step one, step two, step three profit yeah, job? exactly <laughs> what she did, too. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Like, I was, I just thought it was so funny. It was, it was great. I, I like Higuchi. I like all the characters in this mm. show. Like, they're all entertaining. And this was, like, a kind of perfect, uh, kind of setting us into, like, I think Katai is going to be a big part of the story. Like mm-hmm. otherwise, they wouldn't have given him his own episode, pretty much. Yeah, we got we got the antagonist brought in. We got the uh, the we, we were eased back into the main cast. Yeah. So now we're probably gonna get back actually onto the main plot. Exactly. Five uh, six episodes. In. Oh yeah. <laughs> and speaking of, there are some remnants of the guild left. Like uh, Lucy, I believe her name is, is oh, now yeah. working for the. Uh, for the cafe they it's all good frequent. for her she's, yeah she's, she's trying to make yeah she's trying to make good in the world which i appreciate as soon as she had like the metal box in her hands i was like yeah she's delivering something obviously <laughs> yeah really enjoying this series so next up demon slayer 
So good. Oh, it's so pretty. Yeah, my, it, it, the show is my, so pretty. This is my favorite show this season so far. Uh, I'd say it's. I'd say if it's not my favorite, then it's definitely in my top three this season. It's kind of hard to say what is actually my favorite, but this one is really good. Yeah. I, I was. It was really fascinating. See, seeing all the details about how the demon slayers get their sword. Uh, yeah, figuring out how the demon uh, slayer core actually works, like. This is how you kind of pace out, like, what an organization does. Like, it, it's kind of like what they did in Psychopaths a little bit. Like, slow, kind of introduce you, like, slowly into how the organization functions. Like, and, like, figuring out what their weapons do. Stuff like that. And that's all really fascinating. Like, some people might find that boring. But it definitely gives more uh, life to the world, I think. And I think that's super important with a setting like this. And seeing the test was super cool, by the way. Uh, I was not expecting in a, expecting to actually feel sympathy for a horrendous demon who was voiced by Dio. <laughs> I was not expecting to feel sympathy for him, but somehow it managed to get me to feel sympathy. It it probably helps that that's Tanjiro's main. That's how he sees things. It's, yeah. Like, even when he kills a demon, he's not satisfied about it. He's more sad. Yeah, it's like, because this was a person at one point, and they were a person that probably had their life pretty horrifically taken away from them, and they didn't really have the opportunity to live a normal life, and that's what we kind of figured out with this demon, like, and it was such, like, a quick thing, too, like, figuring out, like, how he was basically at one point just a scared, lonely child, mm -hmm. and how, like, he basically just wanted to, like, find his older brother again, and then Tanjiro reaching out. And then the demon, like, as his last bit of action, just clasping onto his hand, like, and before he vanished away. Super effective. Uh, we got introduced to, I think, at least most of, like, the main cast that we've seen in the intro so so far. With the exception of Boarhead Man. Yeah, Boarhead Man is the only one. Who we haven't seen. And I'm pretty sure he's, like, one of the, like, a section commander or something like that. Like... I ha he has to be. Like, because he's not one of the recruits, as far as we can tell. Could be a different recruit from somewhere else. Could not even be a demon slayer. He could just be a guy that goes around fucking tearing up demons by himself or something. Oh, God. That'd be horrifying. I would love that if he just shows up and just like, starts tearing shit up. Yeah, that would... Like, I, I, I think we said last... Two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, that, it, like, I, I think it could be the guy who's an asshole mm. um, in the selection exam. Could yeah, be, but, I, but probably not. Yeah, probably not. the uh, The thing about the thing about that is, uh, we, of course, speaking of him, of course, Bakugo voices the douchey Rhino <laughs> character. Of fucking course. Yeah. Like, why do I care about your stupid crow? <laughs> Give me a sword, damn it! And Tanjiro just getting ready to break his arm. He very easily could have done that. By the by, yeah. Like, didn't didn't, didn't Tanjiro get like a different bird? As well. uh, no. Uh, oh no, that was uh, yeah, that the, was the thunder guy. Yeah, he's like, isn't this a sparrow? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's like we're supposed to be getting like these like epic crows that can talk and stuff like that. Um, but no, it was a, but no, the other guy just got a random sparrow. Um, and I will say this: when he finally gets back to Orokodaki, that was such a good, that was such a well handled moment. Yeah, like, the big hug, the big hug, and like just seeing like the tears like from the side of his mask, and just saying, "I'm so glad you're home," stuff like that. Yeah, I really liked that Orokodaki didn't show his face mm -hmm. ever. Yeah, like even as he was like showing, as he was you know showing genuine emotion, and, and like when Tanjiro and uh, Na Nezuko? Nezuko were leaving, yeah. Just, uh, 
He didn't even show his face. He just stood there, and all you see is his back as Tanjiro is walking away. Uh, yeah, and I want to talk about that really quick. It just it's just another uh, subtle little thing, like when uh, when he was get, when Tanjiro was getting ready to leave on his first mission, he just is like, "Hold on a sec, let me. Would you let me please?" And he just kind of straightens up his uniform, pats him on the shoulders, and then sends him on his way. Yeah. Just such a it's just such a small little thing that yeah, kind of tells like a, you a lot. It's such a father. Yeah, exactly. Thing to do. And that and that's actually what I wanted to bring up. I don't think Tanjiro's dad is around. Like, I don't think he was even there when everybody died like i don't think no i think they talked about him being dead before yeah probably they might not they might not even talked about it i don't i don't i don't really remember either but uh, i assume he's dead but yeah this is like the closest thing to a father figure that he's had for a while like if at all like and that was just such a nice little moment just like him seeing his son off it this the series has such good emotion behind Mm -hmm. it like and i really appreciate it also, some really epic, like, fantasy-level stuff. Like, I was thinking this could easily be substituted for, like, in any, like, D&D campaign when, like, the crow like the crow shows up after the mysterious uh, swordsman gives you your first sword yeah. and the crow shows up and then, like, starts telling you, there are groups, there are girls that are being kidnapped in a nearby village. It's your job to go to save them. <laughs> Shit sucks, yo! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just stuff like that. And then, like, the epic, like, fantasy music just swelling up. It really kind of contributed to that. Yuki Kajura does the soundtrack for this show, I think. And Yuki Kajura is behind the uh, um sword art, all that kind of, uh, which has a great soundtrack. I I have complained about sword art in the past, but I will say it has a great soundtrack because Yuki Kajura is amazing. I don't remember actually seeing that. Like, I, I know I, I like the soundtrack, but I'll have to look into that yeah, I th- more myself. I think it was Yuki Kajura. I could be wrong, but Yuki Kajura is a great composer. And now on to the, the fight with the demon in that village. Holy shit, is that thing creepy. Yeah, I, I, it was really creepy. And it was just like, it was like grinding its teeth. Yeah, even before you saw it, it just being like this black puddle, like they just kind of following stuff around. It reminded me of a very specific scene from Nightmare on Elm Street. You know which one I'm talking about? Uh, no. Okay, so there were actually two scenes in Nightmare on Elm Street. One is when one of the main girls gets, like, pulled into a bathtub because she falls asleep while in the bathtub and basically Freddy, like, grabs her, like, pulls her beneath the surface of the water and she's trying to drown her. The other scene is when Johnny Depp's character gets pulled into a bed and actually, like, just starts getting, like, blood spurted everywhere. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's very <laughs> disturbing. And I was 12 when I saw that movie. I'm totally fine. <laughs> um, but... I just it just reminded me of that and just seeing that whole fight was super cool. We're probably going to get resolution of that fight next week though. Uh yeah, cuz I think he ran away. He either uh he tried to run away and was getting ready to attack again, but then Oh, Nezuko... that's right. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like my favorite part of the episode when Nezuko just kicks the door open and spins the guy's head around like 20 times. Oh my god. Yeah, it was so epic. I was really worried that Nezuko was just going to be a backpack. Yeah. That Tanjiro was going to have to carry on the whole the whole season. But it, it's, I, I'm glad that she can actually fight. Yeah, exactly. And she actually, uh, there was a really good narrative device there, in my opinion, of Oroku Daki, just in these past two years, he's been using hypnotic suggestion on her while she's sleeping mm-hmm. to teach her that humans are friends, not food. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that, and I, I personally agree that, yes, that is a good narrative device. I would have personally liked it to be revealed next episode, mm-hmm. like myself, because... I was I talked a little bit about this off um, 
off recording, but uh, I thought that it kind of added a little bit of, it would have added a little bit of mystery, kind of getting you to understand, like kind of getting the audience wondering, huh, why is she like that? Kind of build up a little bit of suspense, maybe get some theories going in people's heads yeah, or something. Yeah, it's a shonen battle series. It's about being hype as fuck. I, that's why when they, when he finally revealed, uh, like, yes, I did this for her and she's gonna, you know, demons must be punished and the the soundtrack just starts sweeping up yeah. uh, in a really epic moment and she's, as she just like runs at the demon, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This series is super good. Like, and that moment was really good too. Like, I would have, like I said, it's just a matter of I personally would have liked it a little bit, a little bit more had they kind of done a little less with that because just her kind of like looking at uh, at the guy that Tanjiro was following around and the girl that he was trying to rescue, like, and just seeing him, her put it, her hands on their faces and just visualize uh, Tanjiro and herself. That told you enough. Like, that told you just about as much as you needed to know about her uh, motivations in that point in time. I personally thought that was super effective. And I don't think that we needed to understand right away why she could think like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, uh, Tanjiro and uh, Nezuko yeah, doing brother, sister fighting. sweet team attacks. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, too. So, uh, next up is Dororo. We, we we've at least hit like as we at least hit as far as episode pacing and stuff goes after like a slip up that was a few weeks ago. I think we've at least rehit its stride. Yeah, like, as the, far as like narrative pacing and stuff. The the animation is not at it's not quite as low as it was for that uh, for that that terrible episode like three oh. weeks ago. Oh god, it uh, but so it, bad. it's all it's also not as good as what it was yeah. before. Yeah, that is, and I will agree with that, but. I think that the plot has has hit its stride again. Like this is how you show like Dororo and Hiyakimaru doing separate things well. Mm-hmm. It's what they were trying to do a few weeks ago, but this is how you actually do it. Actually space out what these two characters are doing at a separate time. <laughs> yeah. Like and actually give each of those plot points time to breathe. Like yeah, we got a little bit of detail about the other person in each episode, but for the most part it was um Dororo got her own episode, and then Hyakimaru got his own. Exactly, episode. and and that's and that's all what we needed. I think that's what the uh, and I think that's what would have really helped a few weeks ago's episode. Like, yeah, it really, well, that and not having terrible animation, <laughs> but it, it really drove home the fact that Hyakimaru's relentless demon hunting is pushing Dororo away. Yeah, in exactly, I think that's a really important distinction to make because Hyakimaru. Hyakimaru, a lot of people are often mistaken between morals and ethics. Like, and I think that Hyakimaru is morally in the right, but ethically is not. Because he, it's totally natural, and even Jukai says it's natural for somebody to want to take back what is rightfully theirs, what was stolen from them. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. Uh, that's morally the right thing to do. Ethically, however, in doing so, he would doom a thousand, like hundreds of innocent people to die in his like to die who had nothing to do with it or were fed false information are totally unaware of this situation i think that uh i think that ethically that would be wrong like yeah they need there needs to be another solution like i think that hiyakimaru should get back what is his but i don't think he should just up and forsake all these people either and i think there is actually a very likely thing that could happen going forward the treasure on dororo's back 
my my stance on the on the subject is that should or uh, would Himakura would Hiyakimaru go back and take all his when he, if he gives back all his body parts and he dooms a village? I don't think that any. I don't. I don't think that any of the responsibility is on his back. I think it's all on Daigo's back mm-hmm. because, yeah, yeah, it would like people have been having a lot better lives due to Hyakimaru's suffering. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's Daigo who started all that in the first place. I think Daigo. I think Daigo need like Daigo's people need to be revealed the truth. Like I think they need to figure out that the person that they that the person they've been serving is a liar and a thief and deserves to be and deserves every amount of punishment coming his way. I think that Dodoro being the person she is will probably find the treasure, um, find the treasure and then use that money to fund a settlement, hopefully to like get Daigo's displaced people into a better life. I think that's what Di- what Dodoro would do. That's the kind of character yeah. I think she is. Well, how's, I don't know if that's going to work now. Because Itachi, the asshole that he is, is so, going after the money now. So, I will say this. Itachi, I don't like him as a person. I kind of underst- I kind of understand a little bit more where he's coming from. And I think he's a little bit more complex, or at least a little bit more nuanced than he is at first blush. Like, at first blush, he's like, oh, he was just the, the asshole that betrayed Dodoro's dad. But no, he seems to have, like... He seems to have honor and dignity for the men in his charge. He wants lives, not a better life, not just for himself, but the men he's got under his charge as well. I think that he does have a little bit of honor to him, and he's not just a he's not just a traitorous asshole. I think he's a little bit more nuanced than uh, yeah. Than I, I, I definitely agree that he like like you said. I don't agree with everything that he does. Or anything that he does, really. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I think he's a well-written character, for sure. He's not just, like, comically evil. Or yeah, anything. exactly. Um, unlike the the Shark Boy. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I will say this. Like Shark Boy, he was delightfully creepy. And I can kind of understand, like, somebody who was, like, isolated and alone and stuff like that. And probably that's what drove him to insanity. But, yeah. I, and just the way they slowly revealed, like, just how batshit insane he actually yeah. was and like slowly reveal that yeah he was the one responsible i thought that was pretty well handled and added up to the suspense and by the way just in case you weren't afraid of sharks let's just remind you how fucking terrifying sharks are i think that the sharks probably started off as normal sharks but then he started slowly feeding uh, them people yeah and feeding them people it's it's a it's a supernatural world so yeah. feeding them uh, people probably started turning them into demons yeah exactly it's like um yeah like a lot of a lot of that kind of myth like old Japanese mythology is like when animals eat people they become they turn evil. Yeah, even Golden Kamui had something like that yeah. with bears that eat people become like demons. But... Yeah, I was like a, oh yeah, my arm? Ah, I gave it to the sharks. It's fine. They were hungry. And then yeah, and then eventually I started feeding them I slowly started feeding them dead people, but then there weren't enough dead people. Just yeah, just like slowly kind of building up that suspense and just like the the feeling of just being trapped in the middle of the water with just like this big fucking monster just circling around you this whole time. And then Dodoro jumping into the water. Oh, man. This this episode really was Dodoro's chance to shine. And she did a super good job with that. Like just the inspirational speech she gave. And mm-hmm. then uh, just like a, just like a dear old dad. Yeah. 
And even uh, Itachi kind of actually having begrudging respect for that. It's like, yeah, you're just like your stubborn old pops. And then uh, them killing the shark and then beating the shit out of Shark Boy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I really liked about Itachi right there. There's the moment of like kind of respect for Dororo and uh, he, he saw that like, oh, maybe this isn't the time for me to die. But then immediately once they get to safe land, they're like, okay, where's the money? Yeah. Like it, they, I feel like it would have been easier to write and more stereotypical for sure for that to be a point of Itachi being like, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to be a bad guy anymore. Yeah. And then, of course, just in case you were dense and thought that Dodoro was still a boy, this sip, this episode, clear as day, said Dodoro is a girl. <laughs> Get it right, people. Dodoro is a girl because even Itachi confirmed it. And and then the episode with Hiyakimaru, like... Just fig- We already touched on it a little bit, so we won't go too much further. Just figuring out like his ethics and Jukai warning him and refusing to give him a prosthetic leg and stuff like that. Worried that he basically created a monster. Yeah, I, I think that the time that Hyakimaru had in the cave was probably good for him. Mm-hmm. He had... Because he said, I'm not alone. Like, I have someone. And then he like, looks down and he's like, they're not here right now. Yeah. That, that probably... He probably had a lot of time to reflect... In there, uh, and Dodoro is the one anchor to his humanity. I think. exactly. That's the only like um, what's his name? Yeah, the, the the prosthetic guy. Oh, Jukai. Jukai. Yeah, he even said that like that's the only thing that's going to stop you from becoming complete from completely becoming a monster. Yeah, because Hyakimaru Hyakimaru has already shown that yeah, when if something gets in his way, he will not hesitate to completely destroy everything. Because we saw that with Mio. That episode was still so good, but, but and the yeah. only thing he, the only reason he didn't kill everybody is because Dorodo stopped him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I uh, and then of course there was just a little bit where he said, "I know who you are. I've always been able to feel you're my mama." <laughs> yeah, and, that's the word probably he yeah. knows for like parent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or, or loving parent. Exactly, and Jakai and Jakai just kind of laughing and saying, "You silly boy." And just kind of sending him off on his way. It, it was interesting that even in the end, he didn't give him a leg. Mm-hmm. Even after he was saying, like, I, well, you can go ahead and leave now. Like, maybe Dorodo or maybe that one person will be able to save you. Mm-hmm. But he still just didn't give him a leg because he already decided he wasn't going to. Which, he might just grow back a real leg here pretty soon. I'm assuming that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, He's going to exactly. grow that leg back. Exactly. So, next up, Fairy Gone. Well, the concept for the show is still awesome. There are still some really, and there are still some really like creepy, cool moments. But I think that, generally speaking, in terms of like characterization and plot, the show is kind of all over the place. <laughs> yeah, like it's it, 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 the, the soundtrack kicks in, the really good, really well choreographed fight scenes start happening. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 they're doing the fighting thing. Yeah, and then it, and then it's just like. And back in year fifty seven eighty two five and, seven four three, and just like constantly jumping back and forth between yeah. years, I think you very audibly said these years mean nothing. To <laughs> yeah, me. exactly. Because <laughs> like I'm not invested enough in the in the story to really be paying attention to the timeline. Uh, it's I have I'm not this. Uh, maybe if it was the only show I'm watching, mm-hmm. I'd be able to follow it easier. Yeah, probably. It's, I just I can't follow it, man. And then all the bureaucratic shit yeah. I don't care about. And they're like, ah, yeah, we're the 
This is Dorothea, and these are all the officers of Dorothea, and oh, look, politicians over here. They're yeah, they're having a meeting. Yeah, so I will. I think this series really should have taken like a few pages from Psychopaths and how it handles like organizational and like procedural like shows. Like, like it seemed like this was going to be at first, because with Psychopaths, you kind of showed like this cast of characters, like all the members of the enforcers and the in- inspectors and Psychopaths, or in this case all the members of Dorothea, you showed them, you kind of, like, gave them a few episodes, like, individual episodes kind of, like, dedicating, like, oh, so this is why this person is here. Like, and this is, like, this is who they are and why they joined Dorothea to begin with. Kind of give them self-contained story arcs so that we can kind of connect with these characters a little better. And the first, like, round episode two, when they, the sniper and the, uh, and the spotter girl, that was actually a really cool episode, because it kind of showcased these characters' capabilities and stuff like that. Made you want to know more about them. I certainly do. I, um, I care about Free more than I do about Marlia, and Marlia is the main character. I don't think that should be a thing. <laughs> no, exactly. And what they, and I really like I like the dynamic between Free and Marlia. It kind of du- kind of going back to Psychopaths. I'll be talking a lot about Psychopaths probably. Um, it does give me a lot of an Akane and Kogami vibe, sort of like a mentor-student sort of relationship, like or the grizzled like in the grizzled old veteran and the kind of uh, up and coming promising rookie. It's a really it's like a really cool dynamic, one that I appreciate. But it doesn't really capitalize on that. You don't really get much of a relationship here between those two as of right now it's because they're too busy talking about like 50 other characters like um ver oh god don't even get me started about ver blonde guy who a wolfren wolfren i forgot he even existed at this point yeah exactly like he showed up in that one episode and he's like a member of like the mafia and is apparently a apparently an old comrade of freeze which once again really cool concepts but there's just so much shit to keep track of Mm -hmm. like and i'm really not that invested in the whole like marlia ver subplot like i get it like i get it it's supposed to be like they're supposed to be like siblings siblings family or even ambiguous yuri bait whatever you want to call it it's like friends who used to have a peaceful life and ver is like I've already gone too far into the darkness to go back to my normal self. And, and then Marlia is like, No, you can still be saved. I can save you. I promise. Yeah, it's, it's, and unlike, unlike that dynamic with uh, Sasuke and Naruto, which was kind of poorly handled anyway, at least with Sasuke and Naruto, you had a, you had a lot more context for their relationship and why, and reason for why they wanted to save each other. Well, to be fair, that wasn't a 12-episode show, so it's a lot easier to do that. Well, 24 episodes. This is going to be 24. Oh, okay. But anyway, but my point being is that I don't think... I think that this would have been handled a lot better if we didn't know for a while that, A, that Ver existed. Like, if Ver had not been unmasked in episode one and we had known that she had had existed from the get-go, and two, like just giving us a little bit more time to actually acquaint ourselves with Marlia, actually figure out that, yes, she's looking for this person. We don't know who she is yet. Stuff like that. Um, this should have been the episode when Ver, I think, got unmasked or revealed. Like, and they could have done that in a pretty cool way. Like with the window scene, like where she crashes through the window. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking that would have been cool or would have also been really like, 
yeah, figuring out her crashing through the window, but then Marlia kind of piecing together that Ver was the one who killed all those people in the in that uh, what do you want to call it auction hall that day? Yeah, like with her smoky with her creepy smoky uh, fairy thing. Like in creepy out, smoky fairy thing. Yeah, I don't know. What it is. It's like the it's like the smoke thing from Lost. Yeah. But you get my point. Like if they if that had been like the clue that yes, Vare is alive. Vare is the one that has been doing all these things. Like if that had been the moment she realized it, it would have been a lot more effective. But it 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 wasn't. Like I want to like this show a lot more than I want to like this show a lot more because it has a lot of potential and a lot of promise. Mm. But it just is really clumsy with yeah, all the these narrative plot points. Is, yeah, all over the place. Yeah, it's just like... Uh, it's like a fu- the fucking conspiracy board, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> the, the, the the fight in this uh, in this most recent episode was really kick-ass, though, with um, Ver and not Voldo. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Johnny or whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, I think that was his name. Okay, which, although you did say, like, when, like, she kept slashing at his fairy, just, yeah. <laughs> okay, stop doing that, because it's clearly not working. Yeah, but, uh, I love how, like, genuinely creepy that Johnny was. Yeah, him just, like, swinging on a chandelier yeah, and singing. Singing and sending his fairy down. In the end, I think he died really anticlimactically. I I think it was fitting for him, because he he saw what he saw, thought was perfection in art pretty much and then he got basically got crucified and then slumped over yeah but he didn't let any of that uh distract him when he was fighting earlier he because Vare had never released her fairy earlier i guess yeah but how do you live so long hmm. if he just was just like ah oh, fairy hmm. i'm dead now i that's a fair <laughs> point <laughs> but but yeah, it they really they didn't really give as much to this character because they wanted to kind of spend more on the ambig on the ambiguous Yuri bait. Yeah, I uh and then there was the bar scene, which I <laughs> I saw at the end when Marlia was like looking up in the sky and they were like, well, what's what's wrong? And I was like, I know how you feel, Marlia. See, I've all been right. doing and, the exact and, same thing for about ten minutes. And see, this is where you and I kind of diverge on this point, because I think I think that yeah, it's as mundane as it is. It kind of does give like characterization to these characters. Like you kind of, like just kind of seeing them hang out, talk, banter, and stuff like that. It kind of gives a little bit more context to their relationship and stuff like that. It could be about total nonsense, but it's just seeing the characters interact. And I'd say that's a pretty genuine way of going about it. Just saying, just showing like these characters interacting and do what they do. I personally like that. But maybe I, I, maybe I would have been more interested if I was more invested in the characters themselves. Yeah, no, I agree. But, but I'm not. So, so I was just like, <laughs> I feel like I was just sitting there and my eyes were both going in two different directions while that was happening. And then the episode ended and I was like, hey, what, 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 where am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, this show, I... I like it, or I like it conceptually. I like it? Question mark. That's probably a pretty good way to put it. <laughs> like I'm definitely gonna keep watching it for the yeah, rest of I the season. Yeah, I do. I do. If am anything, too. for the kick-ass fight scenes. Yeah, and the good soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, so next up is Fruits Basket, and oh my god! Well, episode five. Yeah, episode five. Five, five uh, just fucking wrecked me. Oh god! Oh I... god! It was so hard to watch. All right, in a, in a good way. So. So yeah, I will say that the whole like Toru, the 
like some people argue that Toru like moving in with her grandfather only to immediately like leave in the same episode was kind of quickly handled. I'll argue against that and basically say that this was like its own like five episode arc. Like we'd known from episode one she was eventually probably going to live back with her grandfather. This was always a thing that was in the back of her head. Yeah. And this was and this was just like the episode that just kind of resolved that. Like, it ended that per- this particular story arc. So as an episode, maybe it was a little handled quickly, but as an ending to an arc, that's the way I see it, and that's the way that I think it should be seen. It's the ending to a specific story arc. Agreed, yeah. We, we finally got to the point where Toru is officially living with the Soma clan. Yeah, she she knows what she wants, and she's willing to, and she's willing to say, yes, this is what I want. Yeah, I... So, so the situation that Toru was in, she was a a kid who was alone, picked on by everyone in her class. It's or just, it's specifically not, the boys. I don't think... She, they, I think it was everyone. Yeah. But I think, yeah, she said the boys, but yeah. it's probably she didn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's, it, it's, it's a, a simple, story we've seen a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, when she got... When she finally moved in with her grandpa and, you know, the whole family was there... Like it was obvious that like oh yeah they're they're the assholes they're gonna be the you know the the heels in her story, and, and although seeing uh see, uh seeing senile grandpa just slap him in the face and say don't worry about it Toru they're just terrible people um, <laughs> the the combination of everything we know about Toru so far and how how like good of a person she is mm-hmm. uh combined with just the delivery of it the the delivery of the lines when she finally just starts breaking down and crying oh my god it was so good it, it was such a generic situation that was made into an amazing one yeah absolutely and like as i've said time and time again on this show like i don't have a problem with tropes so long as the author gives their own unique spin to it like as long as they're able to keep it entertaining and so- or engaging or bring something new to the table and i feel like they did that perfectly with this yeah uh, and also going back to your Cedile grandpa comment i i think he's the character that He's so old that he just doesn't care most of the time. Yeah. But he's still there. He's still all there. Yeah. <laughs> like, a part of me, and I was actually wondering, like, he kept referring to Toru as Kyoko. Some part, And part of me wonders if that was an intentional thing, like, or if he had just... Isn't that her mom's name? Yeah, Kyoko is her mom's yeah. name. Or if it was just because he reminded her so, or like, he was reminded so much of Kyoko just by looking at Toru. Or it was something like that. I, I don't really know. But, yeah, senile grandpa, or at least semi-senile grandpa yeah, i and i also think the line where he said uh these they're these people suck yeah but they're still my treasured family and this is still my treasured home so mm-hmm. i i still want to be with all of them like i can put up with their stuff but that was you don't such have a, but you don't have to that, that was such a real statement yeah like there's a lot of people who put up with their family because they love them and but they you know they don't necessarily they wouldn't show them off around town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Necessarily. Exactly. And then the most that episode was super good. We also finally got like uh, the the namesake for the show. Like, cause mm-hmm. I didn't know I didn't know why they called it Fruits Basket. Like, yeah, I really, <laughs> um, I didn't even know what the Fruits Basket game was. But it it finally makes so much sense. Like, like okay, children, we're gonna play the Fruits Basket game. Okay, Honda, you're the rice ball. A rice ball is not a fruit. Uh, it was so sad seeing her smile. Mm-hmm. Like, rice balls are tasty. Mm-hmm. And then she's sitting there smiling while everyone else gets to play the game. Yeah. It just, uh. it's, like, 
it was just heart-wrenching. And then finally, like, when she was, like, walking home with both uh, Kyo and with Kyo and Yuki, like, and it's like the rice ball's finally been chosen. It's just like, oh, my heart. <laughs> like, this series is so good. And then the most recent episode, we get a little bit more, like, into, uh, into Hana and Uo, um, Toru's friends. I, these, they're such good friends. Mm-hmm. They, they really are. They're, it's like the, the weirdos. Yeah, they the are. Three the three weirdos that yeah, finally exactly. found other weirdos so they could finally hang out. Exactly. Like, cause you got delinquent girl, the girl who's obsessed with the occult, and then just Toru, who's kind of an airhead. Like, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. Toru is perceptive. She's more perceptive than she lets herself on to be, or at least sees herself, because maybe she's always been kind of led to believe that she was kind of stupid or not really, or and kind of always just someone who didn't really deserve that much attention oh she's just weird so it's just kind of cool to see like how she has like such good friends and yeah. like that's and like the scene where they all three are just sleeping over and just like laying in bed together and just like happy it was a yeah. cute moment um when when they came over to to investigate everything there was a really subtle moment when uh when everyone was sitting together and tour was like i have a fun idea Let's play rich man, poor man. Oh, that's right. And and then you see Yuki smile a little bit. Mm. I thought that was really, really well done and subtle because Yuki's, I think it was a few episodes ago, he was talking about how he wanted to play with everybody, but oh, he never really got the chance to. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm. I, I'd almost, like, I remember, like, I remember that being a plot point, I but I didn't notice, like, him smiling, like, but, but yeah, seeing him actually want to interact with everyone, that was a really nice moment. And then... More family complications when we get introduced to two more members of the Soma. Little German boy. <laughs> yeah, which, as somebody who studied German in college, like, and actually kind of understanding what he's saying, it's pretty funny. I liked it anyway. Uh, yeah, he's half German. He's only yeah. half German. and uh, So he can speak half German in his sentences. Yeah, exactly, because that's totally how bilingualism works. Uh, yeah, these two new family members, I was like, well... When did Mori and Honey leave the host club and join Fruits Basket? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. That's what, they, that's what they reminded me of so much. I, I would not be surprised if it was uh, Travis Willingham and uh, Lucy Christian voicing them in the dub. Like, if that is the case, then I will laugh my ass off, because that that's downright mm. hilarious. But, uh, but yeah, Hattori is... He's kind of creepy, actually. Uh, I think that's the point, because he's this... He, he's the family's reset button essentially exactly he's the one who goes and resets the memory of anyone who doesn't uh or anyone who finds out the sunless secret exactly something we're gonna be dealing with soon because he uh when he called uh, um toru out yeah see him and not tell anybody oh god yeah i was i saw that and i was just like oh god this is not this is not going to end well i don't think he's gonna try and reset her memories i think it's more of an actual Probably uh, bringing her in to talk with the head of the clan. Maybe. Who seems like a really crappy person. Yeah, because as Kyo has said multiple times, the, uh, like, she's not, or no, Yuki has said this, she, Toru is not the kind of person who will ask for the moon. But then the head of the family at least actually said that exact turn of phrase, yeah. <laughs> I will ask for the moon. So, obviously there's a lot of a... Uh, there's a lot of uh, tension between those two in particular, so... And in which we knew already. We knew that 
Yuki wanted to leave the Soma clan, but is that's his big conflict. The show has such well-written characters. Like, they're simple. Like, they're probably character archetypes we've seen a million times. Like, you have, like, the hot-headed male Sundere. You have, the you have like, the like the majestic and graceful princely character. And then you have, like, the sweet airhead girl. But they're all just so well-written that you don't mm-hmm. really care. Yeah, agreed. It's it's a wonderful show that I'm sure they 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 probably refined, mm-hmm. I would say, since their original run. It it actually kind of makes me want to go back and watch the original series just to see it because I wonder because I'd like to watch the original series dubbed and then I'd like to rewatch this series dubbed just to partially see like how the voice actors themselves improved because it's the same cast. Mm-hmm. It is the same cast in English as it was like 14 years ago. But so next up, the fir- for the first time in a while that we're going to be talking about this show, uh, Helpful Fox Senko-san. Well, yes, it, it can, it's just still very um, relaxing yeah, to it, watch this show it, every week. It's just, it's, I think Gigguk said it best in his video, it's basically like the closest thing to HP recovery that a show <laughs> yeah. is. Which, yeah, it's just, it's such a soothing show. Like, and... I want to say that I think it's actually a really nice tactic, like, showing that Senko isn't completely perfect. Like, she's not, like, a perfect girl who's capable of doing, like, everything around the house and stuff like that. She's actually kind of got things that she's not good at. Yeah, even even after being alive for 800 years. Yeah, it it humanizes her in a way and kind of makes her a little bit more relatable and not, like, some, like, trophy wife material, pretty much. And, like, just seeing her... And it's actually kind of adorable, like, seeing her absolutely freak out when all the electronics are going in her. <laughs> yeah. And her, like... One thing starts and then another thing starts. Yeah. And then, like, it's super adorable, like, watching her, like, kind of talk to the machines as if they were, like, actually sentient and saying, let's work hard together, okay? <laughs> yeah. it, it was just such a sweet I'll be little... in your care today. Yeah, it, it was such a sweet little moment. I, I really liked it. And, like, her just hiding after the breaker tripped and then... Uh, and then Kuroto knowing exactly what to do. It's like, oh yeah, the breaker's just off. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely creates an interesting dynamic between the characters of, uh, like you said, she's not perfect. She doesn't know everything, so he can help her with like modern day stuff. Exactly, I, which I thoroughly appreciate. And then the most recent episode, we got introduced to the second fox girl, Shiro. She's kind of a little bit of a bitch. <laughs> She seems like she's trying to be super perfect, but she's yeah. not. Yeah, she's like really trying hard. Like I have to, I have to be the best fox girl ever. Exactly. And then, and then of course, um, uh, Kuroto's like obsession with fluffing their tails. Like, and her just no, don't touch my tail. Yeah, I. So, so I'm assuming she was like. I'm going to seduce you mm-hmm. and I, you can have sex with me and I'll take care of all of your physical desires. And she was fine with that. Uh, but when it came down to like, she was, when she's like, okay, you bring out your desire. It's to fluff my tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, no, that's this. You can't do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you, that's a little weird. That's a weird like line to draw. Yeah, exactly. And then like seeing her just like run out of the house or teleport or phase through, yeah. I guess is the more accurate way. And then like into the neighbors who is like a like at least five steps away from being like a crazy cat lady. <laughs> I'm assuming she's probably an artist. Yeah. Like a manga artist or something. Yeah, because she's like always in her house. She's like she said complains about how she's always up working on stuff and how she d- 
is just kind of frustrated with stuff. It's just, all I want to do is pet cats for the rest of my life. Come here, imaginary cat. Yeah, Tama. And then, like, the, and then Shiro shows up through the wall and he's like, I'm done for today. I'm yeah. just... <laughs> I'm just going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes me wonder if Shiro's going to end up being her caretaker for the time, like, going forward. I, I would actually kind of like that, because I, I want to actually see more of this neighbor character. She seems like yeah. she'll be pretty fun. So, uh, the the bath scene uh, yeah. recently, it's just... It impressed me so much, because when Senko, like, you know, went in, there was kind of that, like, little bit of, oh, she's naked, and I'm embarrassed about it. Uh, and, and then, but, but, but the, for the most part, it was, um, Kuroto thinking, okay, I just want to, we're going to bathe together and it's very soothing to get like my back scrubbed. And yeah, the and reason he wanted to see her wasn't to see her naked. It was just to see if she actually had her tail connected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, there was, I was actually like impressed with that as well because that was just, because it reminds me a little bit of the. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Aragi bathing with Shinobu in uh, in the Monogatari series because while the two of them bathe together and there while there is lolicon nudity in both series, there's no like real sexual undertones really between those two characters. There weren't really any sexual undertones between these two characters. Exactly. It's, I, like it, they remain both... entirely wholesome. Yeah, exactly. Like, and while Aragi is a definitely more perverted character, like there was just nothing there between him and Shinobu. And it kind of took similar cues from that, which I appreciate because I absolutely love the Monogatari series, mm-hmm. but it just, just basically how they, even Kuroto said it himself, they're family pretty much. And he sees her, just like a member of his family. So, of course, it's not going to be weird. Yeah. There's nothing sexual about it. Yeah, it which... was almost like um, like a parent bathing with her child. Exactly. Although from Senko's uh, objective, or perspective, she was the mom. And he exactly. Was the and then even the way he started using his hands like a water gun. Yeah. <laughs> I win! <laughs> I shot it farther. Yeah, exactly. This show is just really wholesome yeah, it, and it, cute. If... If anything has shown me that this show is wholesome, it was that episode. Exactly. So next up is uh, the lifestyle of, Hori- of Hitori Bochi. Or Hitori Bochi's yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Hitori Bochi. Or just Hitori Bochi yeah. is what I've been calling it. <laughs> this series is just cute. Yeah, it's a really cute comedy. Yeah, exactly. So far, I um, let's see. There was... The most... Re- like, last week's episode was just figuring out... Just how unfortunate Aru really is. Oh, yeah. She just goes to school. Oh, it was like, first it was the backpack. Yeah, it was just like an elementary school backpack. And then the next day, it's somehow an entire entire outfit. Like, how How? gone does she have to be? Like, just how? How is that even possible? (laughs) Although I love how she just tries to salvage it. Yeah, like... I'm her younger sister, Mieru. Oh, <laughs> like, and the thing about the thing about Aru is she's she's like a character who is so unfortunate that her misfortune circles around to being fortunate again because everyone around her was convinced she was just doing it for Nako's sake in the end, just to make her laugh. <laughs> so, in some regards, yeah, I'd say that it kind of she kind of just has that effect. It just circles around like all the way around to being fortune. <laughs> Yeah, and it also kind of helped Nako a little bit, I think, too, because it it uh, it painted her in a different light to the re- for the rest of the class. Like, oh, she's laughing. Yeah. Maybe she's actually a little friendlier than she yeah. actually seems. Yeah, because everybody's convinced that she's a delinquent, which she isn't. She just kind of looks like that. 
But uh, and the other part of this episode was uh, Aru being in the tennis club. And then challenging Naka to oh a game of tennis. I loved the dramatic theme song they gave to Aru as she was just trying to serve over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and her failing repeatedly. <laughs> and just seeing like Nako like kind of cunningly strategize and just saying, you know, she's actually in a disadvantageous position. Yeah. You know, if I just kept letting her serve, <laughs> I have a chance of yeah, winning. Serving's this. the hard part. Yeah, <laughs> just and I want to be as lazy and move around as little as possible. So. And then her ultimately just said, and then it all just turning out to be one huge misunderstanding. Like, she was like, wait, Nako's doing this for me? And she wasn't. Like, thank you for trying to get me to practice again. I, w- I wasn't doing that at yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> and then the most recent episode, um, it was it was Nako trying to, like, actually study because she failed the test or oh yeah the 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 wahaha yeah the boat the bochi school of laughs oh man that was so adorable <laughs> just uh like um well first of all i want to say that i'm getting kind of annoyed with the teacher at this point because yeah. it's uh i feel like it's a gag that's not being super funny anymore all right so the way and i can agree with that to an extent here and here's my thing about it she seems she seems to be and maybe i'm looking too deeply into this she seems to be a person who at one point was like bochi like incredibly anxious incredibly awkward and has tried and in her time has tried to get over that but her but being an anxious person her mind still goes to like the worst possible scenario all the time so she's still trying to learn and get past that i think and i think that kind of came to a head when she just looked at bochi and thought oh she's the secret gang leader <laughs> secret gang leader who has a delinquent a foreigner oh, in the class uh, uh, yeah, vice president yeah under her belts pretty mm-hmm. much and yeah just basically her thinking like that but no it's totally benign and i think that i think that she's at least trying to make progress which i appreciate the teacher is trying to make progress which i appreciate but I agree. Yeah, to an extent, it is getting a little bit of a dry the, gag. The gag's getting old to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I really like seeing Bo- like just how hard Bochi is trying for Nako now as well. Because Nako has done so much for Bochi at this point that she just wants to return the favor. which And she does. Because she wants to feel like she's worthy of being everyone's friend. Exactly. I think. I think there's that in here, her just wanting to repay her the first real friend she's had ever since she entered um, ever since she entered middle school, which I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just a very sweet moment, and even her just kind of embracing the wah yeah. in the classroom, and everybody just looking at her kind of strangely. Yeah, I love the uh, the ending. Yeah, the ending it, thing we got for this sh- this episode. Yeah, it's um, uh, we need to. It's like what's next is we need to make a a school theme song for the school yeah. of laughter. Don't add weird details to it. And then it was just the school theme song. <laughs> it, was a, it was a funny song with really adorable visuals. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was the best part about it was that uh, is that later in the song, I don't like. Aru never seemed to be on theme when with with what everyone else was doing. Really, I didn't I didn't notice that. Yeah, like yeah, that's a good touch if that's what happened. Yeah, because like because everyone else like in one of them they were like dressed as like cavemen or cave girls or something like that, and she was like dressed up as like a pterodactyl or something, <laughs> not like one of them. So she it was sort of on brand, but not really. And it's just a nice little touch. I really like that. So next up, one of the short form shows this year, uh, Isekai Quartet. This season? This, 
Yeah. I mean, you're technically right. I am technically <laughs> right. But yes, thank you. This season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this season, Isekai Quartet is just proving to be a really funny little show. Yeah, we haven't talked about this since like the second week. Yeah, because yeah. that was when it first aired. Um, the most recent episodes were uh, were Tanya and Ainz meeting up and sharing common ground in the fact that, oh, we were both salary men that were, that were kind of transported mm-hmm. to shitty worlds. Yeah, I loved uh, Tanya's like, hi, I'm a salary man, huh? I haven't heard that word in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say that this show is definitely making me more interested in wa- actually watching Saga of Tanya the Evil. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, I- I've already was kind of interested, but now I'm more interested after yeah. just seeing this character go. Yeah, exactly. And, with and it, it's, it's kind of a shame that, because uh, I haven't seen Tanya either, but uh, it's kind of a shame because, like, that show is apparently the one that has has the least amount of exposure or the least amount of people watching it for various reasons. But, uh, but, and that even had to explain why, what the plot to that show was like in the first episode, I think partly because not a lot of people it's, watched yeah, it's it. That's the only show that they explained the plot to pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Everything else was just kind of, Oh, everybody already knows this. They're all really popular shows. But, uh, and the most recent episode being a talent show, there are just so many ga- like hilarious little gags with these characters, like just kind of throwing them all together. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, even last episode, Aqua trying to turn undead irons, and every time Cosmo's just like, bam, <laughs> yeah, in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, and that was a com- that was a husband and wife comedy routine. <laughs> and then darkness, like, just tried. Oh to- my god! Oh, so painful to watch. Just like- whip me, whip me like you always do. What, what do you mean, like you? <laughs> And then everybody just being absolutely disgusted, and then Subaru going forward and trying to white knight everything. I love Ren's double standard. Yeah. It's just like, ew, you're disgusting. And then Subaru jumps in and she's like, oh, it's okay when you do that, Subaru. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely adore it. I mean, it's even Rem and Albedo just having a little bit of a kinship we, with their uh, unrequited love interests is actually kind of hilarious. You don't need to know someone very long to love them. <laughs> exactly. And then who is the, and then Kazuma and Subaru. Kazuma and Subaru. Yeah. They have this moment of like friendship and but then camaraderie. Amir- and then but once Kazuma realizes that Subaru has like, Oh, he has girls all around him. He, and he yells all like, he knows magic. Well, but that's but that's actually not entirely true either. Because when you look at it, it's like Subaru's life is objectively worse. Yeah, than well, that's the part of the, that's the yeah. good part of the joke. Yeah, I know. It's like it's just like look at Subaru's life. His life is practically yeah. nothing but suffering. Kazuma suffering that he can't talk about. Undoubtedly, had a much better life than exactly. Subaru in, in another world. <laughs> exactly. He's only died once. Uh, maybe twice. Uh, twice if you count the Choker episode. Yeah. You know the Choker, Choker OVA? Like the one where it's the Choker that grants wishes, but then... Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh my no. god, it's absolutely hilarious. You need to watch that. Um, to anybody out there, uh, look for the uh, the Konosuba OVA of uh, the Choker that grants wishes. It's hilarious. It's when they first introduced Union, actually. But uh, but yeah, and then the most recent episode being the talent show and Megumin doing as she always do. <laughs> Like, explosion magic. I loved the amount of detail they gave to that. Yeah. Even though it's like uh chibi yeah. little tiny sprites they still put in like all the particle effects for her casting explosion absolutely that that shit is absolutely hilarious it's uh it's it's tu- it's a touch they didn't need to add but mm. they did and i really appreciate it uh, and then ein's creating snow yeah that was a surprisingly nice moment yeah because you have all these characters that are in, living in like these shitty situations 
uh, and people in Konosuba are less shitty, but still yeah. shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a nice moment for them all to be in a high school courtyard. It's snowing, and they kind of just get to look up and play around in the snow. But then there's like, uh, but then you've got like some of them who are like, why is he passed out and foaming at the mouth? He's probably remembering his training <laughs> at the winter training ground. <laughs> like little stuff like that. It was just a pleasant scene, I think. Yeah. You know, when he was getting ready to do that, I was actually halfway expecting him to summon the demon goats from uh, the end of season three, which. I would have honestly loved to have seen. Oh, like, they, they would probably have been super adorable. Yeah, like all chivified and, like, and shit. Shoot on people or something. <laughs> I I would have absolutely adored that, but nah, we we didn't get to see little chibi goats. It's a shame. So next up is JoJo Golden Wind. We've only got one episode to talk about. Yeah, because <sighs> filler. I am. I will say this. I don't think. Like, I could be wrong, but I think this arc of JoJo has had the most goddamn recaps, I think, ever. Like, just... Yeah. 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 There's yeah. been three? Yeah, there have been, three like, now? about three so far. And Too it's, many. It's getting, it's getting really fucking annoying. Yeah, I will allow, like, one. Yeah. One is fine. I understand production takes a while. And I, can be I, I'm up. even okay with one accord, maybe, just to kind of, like... Like, like, or even, like, between cores, but no, you don't just interrupt, like, in the middle of a core like that. It's, like, like constantly. It feels like they're doing it all the fucking time. Yeah, they're like, oh, look, um, Abakio left a secret message behind. And, uh, filler, or, uh, recap episode. <laughs> <sighs> God. But, the, but this week's episode, holy shit, was it good, though. The, uh, we got introduced to Green Tea. Oh yeah, yeah, and they're and they're awesome. So, and they're you might know them by their hit songs, "American Idiot" and "Basket Case." <laughs> American Dummy, yeah, and Bucket Case. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Green Day. It's fucking Green Day. It, it's Green Day. Yeah. Like let's really not... gross stand. Oh god, it's terrifying. It turns people into goop. Yeah, I, uh, I well, we talked a little bit about this once again off recording, but uh, I've always. I always appreciate it when Iraqi kind of allows himself to just go into like the really disturbing horror shit that he's kind of that he kind of started off with with JoJo because even the first season of JoJo it was supposed to be like a kind of a horror themed like a horror themed show and I like it when he just doesn't forget those roots and just allows himself to revisit really disturbing shit from time to time like seeing a guy jump over a banister and then immediately just crumple into goop. Yeah, ugh. Ugh, it was so disturbing to look at. Just a lot ugh. of dead people in this episode. Yeah, lots of dead, dead people. bystanders. Yeah, th- this is probably the most dead bystanders we've seen in a while, with the exception of maybe that town in Stardust Crusaders with the mist. But I don't... Uh, yeah. But yeah, this uh, Chocolata... He's a fucking asshole. Like, oh, yeah. He is, is so creepy. He is so completely just batshit insane. Yeah, ridiculously evil. He reminds me a lot of uh, Johann Liebert from Monster, actually. Like, with the exception of Johann Liebert doesn't have, like, uh, stand powers that make turns him into green jello when they hit the ground. Uh, and what I mean by that is that Johann Liebert has, like, the ability to just know what to say to people at different times to just get them to basically drive themselves to suicide or violence or anything like that. And it, it was just a nice little touch. It was so creepy, and I absolutely appreciated it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was really... His backstory is just like, ugh. It, it made me uncomfortable watching it, how he would just... 
make old people kill themselves and, and then record the footage yeah, and, and operate on people but while reduce but, the anesthesia so they wake up during it and Ugh. then like showing their like intestines to them Ugh. oh it's oh god it's so creepy but uh the other thing is um apparently stands are metachlorians oh yeah stands are a virus that came from space <laughs> like it just Okay, what? <laughs> like, all right, it kind of it's kind of in keeping with the ridiculousness of the show already, but to me it's just like, okay, really? Like I'm just like, all right. Okay. Yeah, I kind of expected the stands to be like some kind of ancient Aztec magic or something like that. Uh yeah, I was expecting it to be just an evolution of Hamon, which is kind of what I thought it was going to be at for in the first place anyway. But But nope. But no, it's <laughs> but no, it's basically metachlorians, like because they're a virus that like when they enter a person's bloodstream, they have the ability it will either kill them or it will um it will either kill them or it will basically evolve in their bloodstream and turn into like superpowers. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what it is. Although it's weird that all their superpowers are manifested as a thing. Yeah, usually that's next to them. Usually muscly men. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I just get the feeling that Araki watched episode one and thought, huh, maybe I'll just implement that. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, just a little bit. Like, but it, it's whatever. It, it, it's JoJo. I don't really care. <laughs> like, I'm, it's just fun to kind of go, okay, what with this? But it, it's just, it's just funny. Like, that's all it is. It's just funny to me. I'm, I'm interested in seeing how Green Day actually works. Uh, because as far as we know, if they go to, like, a lower point than they were before, that's when it starts to, yeah, like, basically it seems sprout like the mold or whatever it is. When they, at the point where they ingest the virus uh, into their system, it I feel like it um, kind of snapshots mm -hmm. their elevation. And then if they go lower than that, then, they, then it starts to infect them. But I'm wondering if he can, like, change that at all. Yeah, he certainly seemed to be intrigued by it and actually thinking oh well this is actually just starting to get interesting i'm sure he'll have other abilities yeah there'll be there's stand it's an enemy stand we can just throw out bullshit yeah. and then his uh his partner uh, Seko, i believe his name is his partner will probably have some kind of thing yeah we we don't know all it's... we know is that he was one of his uh ex-patients god and that's just a terrifying concept <laughs> yeah the uh I'm actually I'm actually curious to see what if Trish is going to do anything here. I'm also even more curious to see like who the guy who called him over the computer was. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. That was a pretty big part of the episode. Yeah. That that was a huge part of the episode. Like and I'm just like wondering, who is this man? Like why does he know so much about stands? Like like why does he know so much about the arrows? Why can only one person know about the arrows? Let's be real, it's going to be Jorno who's going to find out the secrets of the arrow. It's Based it's, on the it's opening. It's, it's going to be. I, I don't think it's going to be himself he's stabbing the arrow into, though. I don't think so. It's it's possible, but at the moment, I'm not sure. So next up, Joshi Kause. A very... And I, when I say short, I mean very short. Yeah, it's like little, three minutes long. It's like a three-minute episode. Um, It's just quick little comedy sketches. That's all it really is. Yeah, it's surprisingly, it's surprisingly a little bit etchy. Yeah. 
Like, uh, but I think that kind of the first episode. Itself... Well, the first episode was like, look at this high school girl's oh, yeah. thighs. Well, yeah. Um, um, I think that lends itself to the humor though a little bit. Yeah, because it, it just kind of makes it more ridiculous. Yeah, and then the because the most recent episode, it's like, hey, let's take a look at the thigh girl's um, older sister's ass on a couple occasions, <laughs> like when she's trying to work out. Mm. Like, just okay then. Uh, this series though, it just has a, like a lot of really funny little like jokes that they can just get away with telling with no dialogue and it's just very cool to see how they do that i still think one of my favorite jokes in this series has been when uh they were at like the the malt shop or whatever it was or whatever you want to call it cafe and then they she just denies them a drink from her like a from her milkshake i thought that was funny and just yeah because all the jokes are based around like their expressions yeah or their like noises and (laughs) Um, it's whenever they're just kind of like walking together and like, mm, 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 mm. like I love how that's how they use the dialogue pretty much. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just a very, it's just a very cute, quick little show that I, I personally recommend watching if you're just, it's for sure. It, like it's three minutes of your week. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's real. So you're really not going to be missing out much. Just like turn it on in the, like just turn it on really quickly. Okay. That's that. Moving on. So next up is Kono Oto Tomare, which has... Easily kept getting better as mm-hmm. the show goes on. It's that a little bit of a slow burn in the beginning. That performance. Yeah, I have a lot of choice words to say about their performance, and I think the writer did a. I, I think the writer or the adapter. I think it was a, it's a manga, right? Yeah, it was a uh, manga. Originally, it's a manga. Yes. I don't know if they. It probably worked better in the manga when they kept interspersing details because you don't hear the music. Mm-hmm. But in the form of an anime, when they were playing the performance. I thought it was an absolute terrible decision to intersperse all this dialogue during their performance. Yeah, and, like, yeah, you could have just as easily just shown, like, kind of little snapshots of what all the characters were thinking about and not include any of the dialogue. Exactly, they should have had the music be playing front and foremost as the the loudest thing. And even if they did include, like, some of the dialogue, like, just choose the most important things, like... Like when Chica's grandpa said, "Oh, so that's how you smile." That was a really that was a really meaningful line. They, I would have been fine if they kept that one in just particular, but they really should have minimized the dialogue. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm just gonna stand by the statement of I don't think there should have been any because yeah. the song was uh, beautiful. Like it, yeah. it was really cool to listen to, and uh, and I, I would love to see the process of them recording it. For that actual episode, getting oh, all, it would have been so good. Yeah, getting all the I, it might have been one koto in different tracks, but mm-hmm. like uh, I, I, the instrument is fascinating. It's one of my favorite parts about the show is learning more about the koto itself. Yeah, figuring out how it works and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and also just some of the character interaction and drama that we've slowly been progressing. I I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, kudo is the main character. Kudo is easily yeah. <laughs> the main character of the show, and like if some like, and I don't think that Kurata is supposed to be the main character, like. I really don't. Like, I think he's just kind of supposed to be, like, the thing that kind of brings everybody together. And while I think that he's slowly becoming a more important character as the series has progressed, he's not the protagonist of the series. Yeah. It's it's... probably... I'd probably chalk it up to Kudo and Hozuki, for sure. Yeah. They are the most... They are the characters that I think are the most important to the story. Uh... The... The performance was really good. I agree. I think they should have probably cut out most if not all the dialogue yeah like, there's so many little bits um like, like the 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 part that bugged me the most is when they were starting to falter and they're all like they had to say like oh we're not doing well oh we're messing up blah 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 oh she played the note really loud 
Oh, yeah. we can follow her and everything's good again. Uh, I think that could have been that so could've much all, better. Yeah, it could have that could have all just been all right. Let's just cut the dialogue and just use like facial yeah. expressions or, and cues. And, and stuff even like just that. listening to the music, you'd hear like like blink 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 or like they'd be getting off time and like the audience noticed there was something upset or something wrong. It sounded weird. Like I feel like we as the the viewers probably would have noticed as well. Yeah, or even and even if we didn't just kind of gauging from the audience's expression, mm-hmm. we could have picked that up. And then we you could have just put a lot of focus on that one scene where she plucked a string really hard mm-hmm. and just kind of uh brought everyone back yeah um to the center just paying attention. Uh, but and whatever, it's a, it's a minor. Well, actually, it's a major complaint. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was still a really beautiful episode. It was, it and was... seeing and like seeing like the bit where the dragon like came out from like the from the kotos and like into the audience. That was real. That was a really cool like just visual detail that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as we as you said before, like and even the episode said, music kind of helps people communicate when they don't really know how <laughs> yeah, to. The, but they the could so, so they should have just let the music do the talking. Yeah, like. Agreed. Uh, but I think it was an absolutely genius decision to end, like, with the music stopping and just seeing, like, on, like, an ending on Koto's, not Koto, Kudo's smile. (laughs) And I think that was an absolutely genius decision because it kind of, like, it leaves the audience in the show kind of just, like, in awe and it leaves the audience at home in awe of the performance they just saw as well. I think that was a really good decision on their mm-hmm. part to cut the episode there and then immediately proceed with the resolution and how everybody responded, which was fucking great. Like seeing everybody just applaud and be happy and even them like, like brown nosing the vice principal. Uh, yeah. Even kudo. <laughs> yeah. I, I think... thank you for all the friendship and happiness lessons you've taught me. I think like, and while I'll, and while I agree, there probably was there probably that it was primarily to score brownie points. I think there was some genuine like feeling there actually because there was with Karata, I think. Yeah, but I I think that Hozuki and Kudo and they kind of I like how Kudo, I like how Kudo kind of saw what she was doing in the background and then kind of like oh <laughs> I see and then he just kind of joined in. I, and then Kudo's friends, uh, we still don't really know their names. At Kudo's the moment, friends. They're still, at the moment, they're still just Kudo's yeah. friends. I'm not going to bother learning their names until they give us more about their characters. Yeah, I think it's Koda, Mitsu, and something else. It's, they're essentially one character. Yeah, exactly. Um, they got introduced to, uh, apparently, Mine. Yeah, I didn't realize that Mine got into this show. <laughs> yeah, it's the, she even looks the same. Yeah, Like, kinda, bitchy yeah. redhead with long kinda. hair. Um, I will say that it was actually a really cool, like, uh, decision that they didn't show her face for, like, the first half of the episode. Like, because you see her in the audience. She was, like, the girl who kind of clutched her chest and stuff and seemed to be really moved by the performance. But then, and then we didn't see her face while she was talking with her friends. The first time we see her face is when she submits the uh, club application to Kurata. And then the rest of the, I think it was just a really cool decision and maybe a little bit of character insight to say we don't really see her face like as the audience and people don't really see her true face in general yeah because she's like very obviously two-faced yeah she's an incredibly fake person going around lying to everyone in the club trying to make everyone hate each other i'm assuming she has some kind of long-standing grudge against hozuki probably which i don't know if they like it doesn't seem like hozuki knows who she is but it might have been somebody like she crushed in a competition or something. Mm. And there was a very choice line from a uh, hero at the end, like big sis is going to show you how, like show you how it's done or something like that. 
like we don't know like all about Hose we don't know about like Hozuki's family life. We don't know like we all we know about it so far is that she's on bad terms with her family. And mm-hmm. that's made it incredibly apparent by the most recent episode when we see that she's living by herself in a kind of crappy apartment instead of a, like a big fancy house like everybody was expecting her to. Oh yeah, and uh Kudo's gonna take care of her. She's all sick. That's what the preview looked like, anyways. Yeah, yeah it's probably I, gonna be adorable. Nice yeah, a little bit of touchingness. Yeah, these two are clearly ship are clearly ship teasing. Like, let's be real. I'm pretty sure that's what's gonna happen. Like, they just seem to have that kind of chemistry, or at least they're trying to build that kind of chemistry with them. But I'm very like I'm wondering if Hozuki isn't really like the Hozuki family daughter if she's like adopted or something of that nature. Yeah, maybe. I or maybe found out that she was a bastard child or something. I I don't know. We we don't know a lot about Hozuki yet. Maybe next episode we'll find out. And maybe we'll find out why Hiro's such a bitch. <laughs> so next up, One Punch Man. Um it still kind of continues to be blase actually. Yeah, I Let's see. Um, I did not see this uh, this most recent episode. It was like a tournament fight. Right? Um, they started they, the tournament. It arc. was getting it was getting ready to set up the tournament. Yeah, it was introducing like all the characters involved in the super fight. We actually got introduced to the League of Monsters, which I wasn't. Exp- yes, in addition to the Hero Association, there's also a League of Monsters now. Yeah, did not know that was the thing. Yeah, it's it is apparently a thing that that actually was hilarious and they were actually trying to recruit garo because like he sees himself as a monster or at least fancies himself a monster but uh but yeah the monsters are all like just invading the town simultaneously while saitama's off doing like his fake tournament fighting <laughs> yeah okay so once again i like it just feels like so awkwardly interspersed like that's the big problem like there's so many plot points that just don't really seem to be connected yeah like, and, I, I was... I, and, and this probably is chalked up more to the adaptation more than the original source material but yeah i, I was hoping that the show would be getting better because it felt like it was a little bit mm-hmm. from like uh episode four yeah that was the three and four i think yeah I, I was like oh this is looking a little better the fighting's looking good and you know a little bit of, we get to see a little bit more saitama you know, snarky comedy. Yeah, like just I'm gonna put a banana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just stuff exactly. like that. But it, yeah, it's um, it's been going back downhill again. Yeah, it's I don't really know like what more to say about it. Like it's just it's just disappointing. Like and it just feels like even when you don't have the first season to compare to, it just feels like a very flat adaptation. Like, the fighting animation between Garo and Metal Bat, because that was a big thing in the most recent episode, it just felt very flat and lifeless. There was really no, like, weight or impact to, like, Metal Bat's swings or Garo's punches. Like, it just, it all felt very artificial. And I think that's the best way to describe it. Like, this adaptation this season is just... Very artificial feeling, lifeless. Yeah, it it almost feels like JC staff kind of were like, "Oh, that's an easy cash grab. Let's pick that up and make that." Yeah, or at, or at the very least, their director. There's there's a there's a big production thing going on there. Like actually, like I think like the director just doesn't particularly care. Whoever like and Jace like probably some higher up just yeah probably said, "Oh, that seems easy. Let's hand it over to this director who also doesn't give a shit." So. I don't know. It's... I will say that actually finding out about Metal Bat having a little sister who is able to calm him down actually is kind of sweet. She actually even, like, hit him in the back of the head and, like, knocked him out. 
Like, not even joke. Like, because he refuses to fight whenever she's around. Like, absolutely refuses to. He wants to be, like, a good influence on her. Yeah, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want to, like, make her, like, hate his, like, hate her big brother or anything like that. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a genuine moment. In, like, uh, in, in, the, in the episode before, the most recent one, where it had Metal Bat fighting the giant bug guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I was absolutely not interested at all in every other bit. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was just kind of boring. Uh, but I actually find myself liking the Metal Bat story a little bit more. I think that episode could have been pretty much nothing but a Metal Bat story, and I would have liked it a little more. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that was super annoying. Like, how it's like, oh, hey, Metal Bat's like this really strong S-class character. I mean, and then, hey, let's like let's introduce these baddies for him to fight. Oh, they're going to be knocked out on screen. Yeah. Sure off screen. Good. It's like, really? That, like, really? That's what we're doing here? Yeah, because I think it's really cool if it's like, um... His kind of, like, 19... show. Yeah, like, late 80s, early 90s, like, uh, Japanese delinquent style. Yeah. yeah. And, like, and, yeah, he just has a metal bat that he likes to bash people with. Yeah, and it, uh, just, it was so hype when, when he was getting sleepy from, like, the the poison gas or whatever. He just fucking smacks himself in the head with his metal bat to, it's like, ah, oh, I'm feeling it now. Yeah. Fighting spirit. His, his power is literally just Guru Lagan yeah. power. <laughs> so cool. But, uh, overall, yeah, it's, uh, it's disappointing so far is what this season is. Yeah. So next up is the rising of the shield hero. Where, uh, whereas one punch man has been getting more disappointing. This has been getting better. As yeah. It's been going along. Yeah, with the ex- I think the whole like trial episode between Fatoria and Fila was kind of actually meh to me. Uh, yeah, that, that that was kind of silly. Um, yeah, I guess that's a that that's a bit I will say was not better because it was like oh, because uh, the, the 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 cliffhanger was like I'm gonna kill all the heroes. Yeah, I, and I it made it to be seem like this big important detail. Yeah, but then they kind of undercut it like yeah just like oh it's actually a test to just see if philo is worthy to be the next philolio queen that was kind of dumb like i wasn't like i like philo as a character and i and i it was actually kind of cool to it would have been cool to see her in a sort of like more like more active role like this but it just kind of didn't deliver as much of a punch as it really should have i wasn't really that interested yeah i (laughs) I was a little disappointed in the end when when she revealed that, like, uh, yeah, don't worry, it was just a plan all along. Uh, but I, in, in the end, she still did say, like, but I will kill you <laughs> if you don't get along with the heroes. I will say, I will say that the use of the, like, the after credit scene where freaking Itsuki and Ren just got blown the fuck up, that was super, like, just out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, shit, that just happened. Yeah, it definitely felt it was it was mostly an episode to for for Philo. Yeah, and they I feel like it would have been a lot better if they didn't have the "I'm gonna kill all the heroes" bit. Like yeah. it would it felt it would have felt a lot more genuine if she showed up and then just there was no death threats. She was just like, "I challenge like this. I challenge your Philoleal yeah exactly. to a battle." Yeah, or it, it, there even could have been her still showing up and killing the dinosaur, and that would have been enough to be like, okay. She's really strong. I can't really say no to her challenging this character. Yeah. I mean, it just, it doesn't really make, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I, I get it. Like her, like her philosophy made a lot of sense. That's why it was so cool. Like to, like actually hear like her actually say something like that. 
but they just didn't really follow through with it. And that that was the problem, I think, with that episode. The most recent episode, on the other hand, actually pretty cool. Like, Motoyasu finally somewhat getting his head out of his ass. <laughs> Kinda. Kinda. It, it, was, it was more like somebody pulled his head out of his ass. Yeah. And that was a priest. Yeah. The I will say, I actually will do appreciate Naofumi actually trying to talk Motoyasu down. Like, he recognized that Motoyasu was... Uh, was more angry at him than usual. So he was trying to figure out why that was. Yeah, the the Philolial Queen did bring up a really good point of if you never deny it, then you're uh, you're basically admitting your guilt. Yeah. And, They'll take it as an admission of your guilt. And Nafumi is like, oh, hey, maybe that's right. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. this whole time, whenever they accused him, he's just like, fuck it, you're not going to believe me anyways. Yeah. Because, um, like, I think in the beginning he was saying, like, no, she's lying. It wasn't me. But eventually mm-hmm. he just gave up because yeah. no one believed him. And then, uh, but then also, but then also seeing, like, once again, we have a an evil church that is behind everything. Like, they're even, yeah. they're even staging, they're even staging a coup against the royal family now. Cool. <laughs> it's, uh... Like... And okay, like I get fantasy it. Fantasy world. <laughs> like I get it. Like like real like that is actually a real life thing. Like in the history there have been there has been historical revisionism like in relig- with religious uh with religion. That's that's been a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't and I don't necessarily have a problem with them using it as a plot point. My problem here is that it just it it's kind of funny seeing how common of a plot point it is in every like fantasy sure, story. Sure, yeah, it's common. I think it was handled well here, though. Yeah, it was really interesting seeing you have the pat the 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 line of mine trying to dupe um, now Fumi mm-hmm. and get him killed, mm-hmm. and, and and then there's like a higher level of someone who just duped mine. Yeah, trying to fuck her over, and she, you even see the look on her face like. Wait, no, bitch, like, dicking someone's over is my job. How could you do this to me? How could you do this to anyone? And even Melty's, like, little comment, it's like, that logic is really twisted. Why does that sound so familiar? Giving her, like, a very glaring side eye. Um, I I love this scene uh, where Fila just, like, teleports behind you and she just kicks everyone into the center. She's just like... You need to make a lot of shields right now. And it's like, yeah. I think it was, it was like her animal instincts kicking in probably. Yeah. Because even, and then even Raftalia, like kind of like, wait, where are all the guards? <laughs> yeah. That, that was a really well done scene. Yeah. Just like, because of course nobody's going to notice like a detail like that. Everybody's so distracted with the fight that's going mm-hmm. on. And then all of a sudden, and then, yeah, by the way, here comes judgment. Yeah. Which... It, it, and he's like shield prison. She's like, no more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. more shields. Yeah, more. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah, priests. I am God, and like you're a I light am, on the world. I'm yeah, and the royal family has the royal family has also perverted like the whole God thing. Which somebody I actually on Kitsu had um like that because I made a comment about this um like the whole like oh why is it such a common plot thread in any fantasy story ever and somebody pointed out it's like well if you really think about it the Marylemark church is the church of the sword this of the sword the spear and the bow and the shield is supposed to be the devil so with the so that's why they go out of their way to keep up that narrative and it seems that the royal family the queen has actively been trying to make the shield a more 
virtuous looking force yeah which completely subverts everything yeah so they want to get rid of that probably since the they think that ren and itsuki are dead Mm -hmm. which i'm assuming they're probably not i i wouldn't be entirely surprised if they turned out to not be dead they're very prominent in the opening yeah this doesn't seem like the kind of show that would kill off the main characters at least like now Mm -hmm. maybe later yeah exactly Uh, but since the the pope guy is like oh those guys are already dead I'll just kill these two heroes. We'll get new ones, and then I can spin them my narrative. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So next up, Sarah Zanmai. You know, I really like the character drama on this show. This is a great short form show. Yeah, <laughs> which is exactly what I think it should be. <laughs> so because they have about half an episode, maybe a little bit more than half an episode, that is a really good character drama. Yes, and it's um all the characters going through all these deep psychological problems that they have exactly and then the other half is the same battle scene we've seen every episode so far and i i will and i'm not entirely defending this the way that i and the way that i personally see it is that i think it's kind of supposed to be an homage to like old like magical girl shows like from the 90s and stuff like that so things so things like sailor moon and revolutionary girl utina i more sailor moon like the original sailor moon because the director of the series worked on both of those and it was always the same long, drawn-out transformation sequence resulting in the same attack, defeating, like, a very similar bad guy each week. Yeah, but it was uh, it was a different fight. Mm-hmm. Like, the fight would be different, and then the finishing attack would be the same. Yeah. And the transformation would be the same, but it wasn't as long. Mm-hmm. This, the action scenes in this uh, show are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like, they block an attack, they shoot water, they, they pluck out the butt marble. Yeah. Um, and it was a little bit different in this episode because it like it popped back out. Yeah, and I I actually was um I was actually wondering about that because each time I think that uh, each time they picked out one of the Shiriki Dama, usually it's something it's resulting because of something kind of similar to that specific character. And the reason that's there that's the reason why that specific character swallows it and is able to actually like uh, sort of process that kind of trauma or whatever and i think that with this week the re- the reason why is because it hit a little too close to home for kazuki which is why he couldn't hang on to it <laughs> and so that's why it actually went back to the kappa zombie that's a that's that's a really interesting uh observation because i didn't, actually didn't think about that but yeah it makes sense when you say it that way yeah right um i'm just like mainly because like i've been wanting to figure out like what exactly is all like what exactly is all this there's probably more like layered to the silliness than i'm personally like than i'm personally giving credit for like i'm sure there is like more to each individual like kappa zombie what their motivations are and what what kind of sick depraved person they were and why the uh why otter cops want why the evil empire is trying to <laughs> yeah, do this. the weird otter empire like that was revealed like the fact that there was an empire was revealed like in episode mm. three i think uh, and, and i will say that even uh, so so the action the fight scenes the song at least is slightly different every time the otter cop dance is the exact same song mm-hmm. every episode yeah that it, seems like padding to the extreme yeah like they could at least sing about something different i wouldn't care if they use the same animation if they sung about something different yeah it has been the exact same like song about desire extraction Mm -hmm. well and at least the actors can sing like i will say that but uh i almost feel trapped by the first episode yeah (laughs) because i it was like probably my favorite first episode 
mm-hmm. of this season. Yeah. Just because it was so amazing and ridiculous and the I action was, was so good. I was like, what the fuck did yeah. I just watch? Um, and, and then, the, yeah, it's just been the same. Now. But, uh, like, like I said before, I think this would have really... It, either they should have changed the action up or they should have made this a short form show. Yeah. Because... Uh, all the drama is really, really oh, interesting. And yeah, let's actually talk about some of the drama this, like, in these past couple weeks. So a couple weeks ago, it was about Kuji's backstory, like figuring out like why he's so, why he's so messed up. And it's all because, and it's actually in a kind of strange way, you kind of actually sympathize with his gangster of an older brother. Like he, they actually are just two brothers who want to protect each other. Yeah, it's just raised in a shitty world and you have to do what you have to do to survive yeah and they they legitimate like and uh kuji's older brother just wants to protect his younger brother and he realizes he can't entirely do it alone like the fact that he was willing to take the fall for the fact that kuji killed a person shows like a huge deal for that like i'll be the one like this will be our secret i'm the one like i know that you did it but i'm going to be the one who seemed like i did it like yeah. i'm willing to take the fall here because but, a kid that would have destroyed his entire life pretty much yeah exactly like and, i think kuji still probably goes to school mm-hmm. at this point and yeah, that he, would not he, have that even, wouldn't have been a possibility yeah even if he breaks into even if he breaks into people's cars and seal and sells pot on the streets yeah. <laughs> herb yeah he they just, never called it pot yeah <laughs> it's pot it's marijuana like just look at it for fuck's sake but uh and then the most and then it ended with a really like crazy like revelation the i hate haruka like saying and then figuring out this episode why that is yeah i don't well i think that was something said in heat of the moment i don't think he actually hates haruka it's it it was revealed in this episode apparently he hates himself yeah uh because he's been using haruka as a shield to Make himself feel better, pretty much, ever since uh, the time where Haruka got ran over. Yeah, like, and that was actually a really good use of, like, um, of, I guess, narrative pacing. Because, like, seeing Haruka and stuff walk around, like, it put the audience kind of on edge. You knew something bad was going to happen soon. You didn't know what it was. Oh, he got his legs! What bad's gonna happen? (laughs) I was, like, waiting the whole time. Yeah, exactly. So... Car goes by, you're like, oh, oh, that, that car almost hit him. Yeah, exactly. I think it was. I think it was a really smart decision for them to reveal only a few episodes ago that Haruka was crippled, like mm-hmm. in, in a very subtle way, like to see him all of a sudden getting pushed around in a wheelchair. And they didn't even like specifically say it. Yeah, they just showed it. Yeah, and then in this episode, like when Kazuki is like just breaking down, crying, he's like, "Haruka's never going to walk again because of me." I think that was a really just, like, heavy moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it was so hard watching. Like, it was so cringy watching everyone figure out who he actually was. Oh, God. And he was on stage, and she busts in, and and um, what's his face? His friend? This, Enta. Enta tries to, tries to fix it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, then she actually shows up, and it's like... Ah, ah, ah. And just, like, seeing everything just start to come unraveled in that, in that point in time. Just... Yeah, and that's going to be so devastating for haruka too yeah because exactly because that's because that was a big thing like haruka was so happy when uh kazuki said his secret phrase which was actually what he said to kazuki when he was younger Mm -hmm. and that was a very that was a very touching moment he was so happy but then when the real sarah showed up and just asked who are you yeah 
And that was crushing to him. It's like, oh, wait, no, she's a fake. But then seeing the wig finally come off, just fuck. And, and his parents saw, too. And yeah, a lot of other people saw. And that's just going to have that's going to be so uncomfortable to, to deal with in these and next couple episodes. Which which I want to point out, they aren't going they haven't transformed back into people yet because yeah. uh, Kero or or Kepi. Sorry. Kepi has said. Because you couldn't kill the Kappa zombie, I'm going. Like, I'm not going to turn you back into people yet. So yeah, maybe there'll be some kind of. Well, there's going to have to be some kind of resolution episode, next episode where he mm-hmm. maybe you know comes to terms with all everything that's happened, and maybe Haruka will probably quote unquote save him from all this mm-hmm. he's having to deal with. Yeah, and then on top of that, there's also the fact that now since the since Otter Cops won, like, they actually are kind of able to leave their post now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there'll be a different formula next episode. Maybe. Maybe it was kind of uh, putting people into a false sense of security. I will say this. What the hell is Sarah? Like, the fact that she was able to turn into that creepy little, like, uh, white... Oh, yeah, she's a Kappa! Yeah, she just... And then just turned into... It's like, see, I already... I escaped just like this. Exactly. And, like, you just see Kuji, like, going into more and more, like, elaborate, like, locks and stuff like that. And she's just constantly able to, like, break out. It's... I'm pretty sure she's, like, the same creature as, uh, Kepi. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe. I'm not sure. She looks very similar. I guess we'll see. So next up is Senryu Girl, which is the most adorable show this season. Yeah, it and it's. I'm glad it's a short form show too, because it's not that hard to watch each week. Like it's not as short as like Joshi Kautse or uh, or Yadogame Chan. It's like half yeah, half it's like, uh, duration. It's like twelve minutes. Yeah, exactly. But it, these characters are just so freaking cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels just long enough because. We, we just get uh, a little bit of interaction between... Um, Usajima and Nanako? Yeah, yeah, just them interacting in, in really adorable ways that it's like, this is obviously romance. Yeah, it's this obviously is... going to turn into a romance. Yeah, we we can tell because it's all been... It's all just been uh, Nanako trying to figure out how to tell Busajima she likes him. And that's pretty much... And Busajima being too dense to realize it. Um. But the thing about the thing about the most recent episodes, like for one thing, we get we keep getting introduced to really cute characters every episode. Like a few weeks ago, it was the art girl who couldn't talk unless she was behind a uh, unless she was behind yeah. like one of her like her sketch pad. Um, last week, we got introduced to the fortune teller girl who I really like. I kind of like that kind of uh, spooky goth vibe that she has. Oh yeah, uh, and she's so smart too. Yeah, because when she goes to school, she just. Switches her hair to the other side to hide her true identity. <laughs> hey, nobody else apparently picks up on it. Oh, yeah, Nanako's like, whoa, whoa, what happened? <laughs> because as we've established, Nanako's kind of an airhead. But yeah. uh, and then the most recent episode, we got introduced to uh, we got introduced to Busajima's pet rabbit and his little sister. Oh yeah, his, his really fat pet rabbit. Yeah, who poops a lot. Yeah, a lot. yeah, yeah just like a... way, way too much. Yeah, I loved um, a little moment where Busajima is off with his rabbit and he's pooping, and his little sister's like, "Hey, are you his girlfriend?" Yeah, it's like no. And then I don't remember exactly what poem that Nanako uses, but then, she's saying, uh, 
No, but it makes me happy that you think that. It's like, oh, so you're his mistress then. Yeah. <laughs> because I think... Why do you know that word? Yeah, just... You're like you, six. Yeah, how do you know that <laughs> word? And she even... Like, she even said something that made her go, it's like, what, that even made Busajimus like, yeah, she's a little s- too smart for her age sometimes. And then the biggest part of this most recent episode was uh, Nanako's dad being convinced that she was going through a rebellious phase. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love, like, the comedy rule of three is always hilarious. And here it was, <laughs> they think they delivered on it perfectly because every time he heard something that made him, like, fall over and faint, he just kept doing it. But then... It's like, wait, mom says that. And right before he hits the floor, he stops. Like, right before he hits the floor. <laughs> yeah. And then he just raises up backwards, like Dracula coming out of his coffin or some shit. Yeah, they do a really good job with the gags in the show while still being super adorable. Yeah, even um, even Nanako and, like, her kind of, like, a delinquent look. Like, she still talked in Senryu. <laughs> yeah. I so, so, yeah, if you haven't, like, watched this show yet, uh, I would definitely recommend it. Um, like we said earlier with uh, Joshi Kausei, it's like it's not that long out of your week. Yeah, exactly. It's not even a whole anime episode. Yeah, it's it's a quick little show. I really appreciate it. So last on our list is Yatogame Chan. Another quick little show. It's, yeah, another I think quick, it's also three minutes. Yeah, another um, quick three minutes. Um, not all lot. Not all lot to say. Like a lot of the uh, a lot of the humor comes from like just comedy like about like misunderstandings and just trying to figure out about the nagoya region which i'm actually kind of interested in that just yeah they're, they're out. dropping a lot of uh genuinely interesting info dumps or not dumps just, info like just drops. sprinkles yeah yeah it's 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 fun and it, it's it's fun and entertain or uh educational yeah exactly <laughs> i uh i will say though that there isn't a lot to the characters as of right now i mean it's kind There's of not gonna be it's kind it's... of hard to develop characters in three minutes yeah you just have main character who is audience insert mm-hmm. to learn about nagoya and also and also hey she acts like a cat she's yeah. super adorable um, I love her accent. Yeah, I like her accent too. Which I don't know if that's actually their accent. I'm assuming it is because this show was created in promotion to spread word about the prefecture. Yeah, exactly. That's what the anime was made for. <laughs> well, it just get it probably tried to promote tourism because <laughs> that's it's, how you do it. It's weird to think about, like, because. Um, like, if this were to happen in America, mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, we're going to make a cartoon about uh, Washington <laughs> to, to make everyone want to go to Washington. Yeah, and not even, like, what some of the well-known parts of Washington, like, kind of, like, crappy sort of backwoods parts of Washington. Exactly. So, yeah, it probably would be, it'd be more like, uh, like South Dakota or something <laughs> like that. Some podank state. Yeah. I'm at, yeah, just, just where there's nothing but corn and cows yeah. and... All that lovely like, stuff. Like, comment, and subscribe if you live in South Dakota. <laughs> I I will say that it was actually a kind of cute little moment when actually seeing, like, Gene, the main character, trying to figure out, like, all this stuff, like, all the shorthand, like, kind of nicknames that all the people in Nagoya use for, like, different places in the city. And then, like, after uh, seeing how hard he tried, like, uh, her just leaving his, like, uh, her contact info in his notes. I thought that was just a little, like, aw. Yeah, it was, I think it was, like, something in English- yeah. What's your contact info? And he's like, what does this mean? Yeah. What, what, what is it? It's like, you're, you're dumb. You're like, obviously dumb. It's like, ugh, you're an idiot, kid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. If you haven't seen the show and you like cute girls, watch it. Yeah. If you it, want to know more about the Nagoya Prefecture. Just watch it. Probably don't watch it because it's not a lot of info here, but there's a little bit. Yeah, there's a little <laughs> There's a little bit. And maybe, and maybe it's somewhat accurate. 
Maybe it isn't. Oh, uh, really quick. I like the the bit where the the two friends who for who are from uh, different places, different prefectures. Oh. It's essentially like the New York thing, mm. where they're like, if you live anywhere in a hundred miles of New York, you, you claim, claim New, New York. York. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what they said. Because like nobody cares about these other random places. We we obviously live in Nogoya. Exactly. <laughs> So anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Time Sync Anime Podcast. It's been uh, it's been a really good season so far. A couple like questionable decisions like mm-hmm. on some shows, but I think we're watching everything that's good for the most part. Uh, yeah. if you guys know of anything that we aren't watching that is good, please tell us. Please yeah. share with the community because I would love to see more good stuff. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to have another bunny girl situation where I didn't watch that until it was already over. Yeah. And <laughs> while I'm while better late than never, I suppose, it's it is a little bit like, oh, why didn't we watch this show while it was airing? This exactly, was so yeah. good. I mean, I guess on the upside we got to binge it, so that's a benefit. Yeah. So uh yeah, new format. Uh, like we said, we're doing this um, quarterly now. One, yeah. Once every three weeks, so we can focus on making other videos. Yep. So if you liked so if you like this one and want to see more from us, like especially going forward with different review with like reviews and stuff like that, like, comment, subscribe, leave some, uh, like keep the conversation going about yeah. some of these shows because we certainly want to keep talking about it. Anime yeah, is most fun when you're talking about it with other people. We're we're not going to be around every week for podcast episodes, but we will be very active on Kitsu still talking about all the shows. Oh yes, absolutely. I will. Uh, I find it a very. I find it very good to just go on there and just, like, kind of leave notes and stuff mm-hmm. like that constantly. That's what I'm always doing, just posting reactions to episodes I see. Yeah, and it's super fun seeing other people's stuff, too. Absolutely. Little blurbs about shows. Yeah, it's, it's Epic a great, memes. Yeah, it's a great platform. We're not sponsored by Kitsu in any way, shape, or form. We just think it's a legitimately good service, and you should be on it. Because that's where, we, because that's where we'll be. Anyway, until next time, guys, anchor away. Take care of yourselves.